Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Balog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're just trying to do the right thing in face of overwhelming cowardice of our fellow man as we watch spine number seven in the Criterion Laserdisc Collection, Fred Zinneman's High Noon from 1952. But first, RJ, how are you feeling? Feeling good? You doing okay? You doing okay over there? I think you need to buy a joke book or something. We're we're really losing our uh, our appeal here. You know, people first tuned into this show because of our witty and our snappy dialogue. They, they did but, none of those things. No. no. <laughs> and it was mostly because of our intros. Because what did we used to talk about? People d- dumping in urinals. Um, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That time. So, uh, yeah, it's that time of year, I guess, eh? Yeah. Lousy March weather, am I right? That's right, that uh, that February malaise. Mm-hmm. What's new with you, dude? Mm, well, I don't know. I think I sound a little bit better than I did last week. Uh, I was listening to that uh, episode last week, and boy, oh boy, was did I sound sick. And I still mm-hmm. do kind of sound uh, a bit stuffed up. I but, got news uh, for you, pal. What? It's not that you were sick. It's just you're a horrible-sounding person. Oh, yeah, you got you got one of those voices for radio. Oh, eh, you know what I mean. Oh, that's. You know, I guess that's fine for podcasting. No, that's not what I mean. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. You sound a little bit better, but uh, bit. to quote my uh, five-year-old niece, uh, the thing you got to understand, Jarrett, is that nobody cares. Is that she a... said that apparently to uh, my three-year-old niece last night. Hmm. My, the three-year-old was trying to strike up a conversation, and the five-year-old said, the thing you got to understand is no one cares. <laughs> and I think that's good advice, and uh, that's probably where people just tune off this podcast right now. Out They're of like, the mouth We're of done. babes. Uh-huh. So nothing new is going on, nothing cool, man. That that's, <laughs> that Doppler effect you just heard was RJ uh, being distracted by his cat leaping up on some comic boxes. Okay, so I don't think it's a distraction. I don't think you're a distraction. Uh, Jared has a problem that my cat is sometimes <laughs> in the room with me, but I feel like she's not a total nuisance. Like She's not usually into stuff. She just wants to hang out. Mm-hmm. And here she you, comes crawling onto your lap. Yeah, but the listener can't tell that I have a cat in my lap. <laughs> I, well, I can see it, and so when you're tell, when you're talking about movies and oh, oh yeah, chewing on the headphone cable, that's good. See, Archie's quiet now. He's distracted by a kitty. No, I'm I'm listening because when you when you talk, I listen. Uh huh. Which is what I would expect the same out of all of my friends. No, see, I I don't need a cat to distract me from zoning you out when you talk. So. Yeah, I could tell. Pe- people can't tell this, but when I'm talking, Jared's usually like in the other room. He's he like he does the like keep going signal, and he just stands back. 
he doesn't even have anything else to do. He just doesn't want to listen. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, all the time. That's me. Yeah, all the time. My cat's kind of stinky. Oh. Tell She's her, kind of a stinky cat. Tell her to clean her ass. I don't know if she can. We got her from the shelter. She's one of them shelter cats, so that's what she's kind of stinky. That's what my warlock is. He cleans himself. Stinky cat? Doesn't stop him from being a stinky cat. I thought he just wandered into your house one day from uh, from the street. <laughs> Off the street? No, we got to get him from a shelter. Who, who was that? Was that your friend? Mm. That one day a cat just walked into their house and they're like, I guess we have a cat now. Uh, yes, new cat. That was new cat. Yeah, see? Pretty much. Wandered into the backyard. And then they yeah. just said, oh, well, we have a cat now. Yeah, I'm not totally nuts. To go along with our other cats. And now, yeah. and that cat's the last cat standing. Last cat standing. That's like, a pretty sad movie. He's like 17 or 18 years old. That creaky, loud cat. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Eric, we should get, we, yeah, what's up? We got an email. Oh, shit. Who from? From Oliver Granger. He's back nice. in our lives. He's back. He was berated and humiliated. <laughs> No. no, I think, what did we say? We're like, we miss you. Yeah. All right. So Oliver writes, just caught up with episode 100. I love the Ooh. Beastie Boys. I saw them at my first music festival in 2004. Big day out. I was 13. At the time, nice. Jack Black was in the country filming King Kong, so there was some weird video introduction to the band by him. Or maybe he came on stage. I can't remember. You also mentioned that Beastie Boys haven't made a good video since the DVD collection. Make sure you check out Beastie Boys' Fight for Your Right Revisited, the full-length version. Can't link it work, but make sure it's uncut. It involves Jack Black, Elijah Wood, and much more pissing all over each other. Um, yeah, so, uh, and cheers. Thanks, Oliver. Uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. pulled it up. It's I think it's on YouTube, and it says uh, full-length or uncut or something like that. So it's on there. It's like a half hour. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not have a chance to take a look at it, but it seems lengthy. I don't know if I guess like I don't know if the music if the Beastie Boys made a good video since that DVD collection, but I think that corresponded with the fact that music videos became less essential after the year 2000. Um and Can like, you define essential? I think 2000 like, I mean, is a like, little bit early, maybe like 2006. Maybe. I mean like like from when like when you pay attention to music videos, I guess. So I mean like I was <laughs> done like much music had become like even by that point pretty I don't know. It seemed like the music, whenever reality TV started to seep into all those shows and like, that's all that dominated at the t- even back then it was like, the joke was, Oh, music, these channels aren't about the music videos anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh, they had to like, have like MTV two to put the music videos on. And even that fell away. And then there was like MTV three and much more music and stuff like that. Like it just became an ongoing thing where music videos weren't the emphasis anymore. Um, right. so, I mean, my, paying attention to music videos definitely dropped and like when you hold up like how big and like, iconic the 90s were for like these incredible uh inventive videos uh mm-hmm. just in general like there's still like i mean yorgos um land of the moth he's directing music videos or he's putting or putting together some music videos to this day so there's like great music videos that come out but they don't get the same penetration now because like everything's a music video or video like anyone could do it uh everything's vying for your time. There's no like focus thing that everyone's sort of like around unless it's like that Beyonce thing from, from a couple of years ago. Uh, but I mean, that's also like, I'm not a music person as I've noted before. Uh, I like the music I like and I don't spend a lot of time. I don't go to music festivals. That's for certain. Uh, I think you're the least qualified person to talk about music. One time I was in this guy's car 
and there was just no music or radio or anything. This guy just drives in silence like a fucking maniac. Yeah, look, he's silent yeah, now. That's a lie, actually. But I have uh, two of my friends are exactly like that. And um, well, you're all maniacs. One, 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 of them, one of them's even a musician. <laughs> I think I remember I asked you one time. I was like, "What music do you listen to?" And you're like, "I don't." It's like, oh. Okay, dude just doesn't listen to music. But anyways, it's nice to get some feedback. It's pretty cool that uh, he likes the Beastie Boys. I like the Beastie Boys. Yeah, they're good. Listen to our episode, <laughs> yeah. episode 100. Yeah. No, wait, episode something. 83, 84. Right. Nice. Like anyway. Nice. we get any other feedback this mm, week? No, some guy on YouTube was oh. asking me about like physical... Uh, descriptions of the Beastie Boys DVD collection because he wants to know if it's going to fit on his shelf. Uh, Seriously? And, uh, yes, and I answered him, and then he subscribed on YouTube, which is cool. Thanks, Samo. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, we got one. Hopefully, I, hopefully, my advice is not wrong because I have mm-hmm. I have the old DVD back when there was like big, thick, black cased ones, and I think now everything's thin cased and clear. Yeah. The, so I'm sure that's all been worked out, and it'll work out well like all things do, right? Everything works out great in the end. <gasps> hey, RJ, what you been creeping Yo. on this week? A bit. Oh. I watched some movies this week. Go on. Do you want to hear about them or? Mm, sure. Sure. Uh, I watched, uh, I got a, I got a few to talk about. Uh, I You heard of this movie about Tanya Harding? This I, Tanya? I've seen people watching it. But I uh, and I know like I guess it's about Tanya Harding, but uh, yeah. uh, from hit director of the Fright Night remake, Craig Gillespie, hmm. comes I Tanya, the true crime story, tragedy of Tanya Harding, from the writer of P.S. I Love You and Kate and Leopold, and Hope Floats. Wow, you've done your research for once. Yeah, I'm definitely not reading off of the uh, site here. So, um. <laughs> Uh, we watched I, Tanya on the weekend. And because uh, it was one of them Oscar picks, you know. Uh, we got that best actress, Margot Robbie. We got that best supporting actress, Allison Janney. I don't think it's nominated for anything else. It might be. doesn't matter. Uh, so we threw this son of a bitch on. I was like, I think Andrea would like this. It was mostly an Andy pick. Um, how much do you know about Tanya Harding, Jarrett? Well, I lived it, man. I, I was, know you did. I was but there. How old were you at the time? that this uh, happened what year was it again 90 i don't know <laughs> Come on, 90 it, it was like right it was the year 92. before oj i think so 93 92 or it's 92 or 94 um i think my I, I didn't remember really it happening or anything like that but i know that weird al did a music video referencing it and uh and then there was like a bunch of shit on snl about it forever and ever and ever yeah but and there still is yeah. Okay, so uh, Tanya Harding, most people know, figure skater, tried to take out Nancy Kerrigan, allegedly. Uh, this movie would have you believe that she was not involved in that at all, which might be the case. Um, 94. This movie, 94, okay. So this movie, you get a, it's just a biopic about Tanya Harding. You see her as a little kid uh, learning to skate. You see her life with her abusive mother. You see her life living in basically she's not in a trailer park, but they're trailer people kind of like um, she uh, like they're dirty and everyone's smoking all the time. And they have like 
bowl cuts. Your, fa- and, your favorite kind of people, RJ. Yeah, my favorite. I You would really like that aspect of this movie? No, I, I actually like that, too. I think the, uh, the costume design and the set design or whatever is pretty nice. Uh, I like that 90s feel. It's early 90s, but it's it's pretty nice. So you were um, you were about four years old when this was all going down in yeah, I was. real life. Yeah, I don't remember it, but uh, I remember some of the clothes, <laughs> some of the styles, maybe. I don't know. Who, who remembers? Uh, so you see her. She's like a young kid. You see her growing up and training and meeting her abusive husband and then her trying to break through the very competitive and uh, prejudiced judge sport of figure skating. Um, and it's it's pretty sad, actually, like, because she had the skill and the talent and, like, the motivation to do it, but she didn't have, like, the support or of, like, her family at all, really. Or, um, like, with the judges, because they, they viewed her as trash. They're like, we don't want this, like, girl who comes out and dances to metal and like stuff like that to win. Uh, she has a fur coat that's made out of rabbits because there's like everyone needs a fur coat if you're a fur figure skater. And she's like, okay. And then her dad made her fur coat out of rabbits, and they ne- they never accepted her. Jarrett is what I'm trying to say. Do you do you understand? I get. I got it. It's, it's kind of like Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> yeah, but the figure skating version. Yeah. So you see that. Um, so this movie is pretty good. Uh, we both liked it. Uh, there are some really good things. Uh, like. Margot Robbie is pretty good. Um, Allison Janney, uh, who plays her mom, is like really fucking good. I think she should win the Best Supporting Actress over uh, Aunt Jackie for Lady Bird. So so far from what we've seen, she I think she's the best. She's like she's always smoking and like hitting little kids, and it's really convincing. Hmm. Um, she's really good. Uh, you get Sebastian Stan. That's right, the Winter Soldier from all your Marvel movies as a, a creepy guy with a mustache who beats the hell out of Tanya Harding in this. Uh, <laughs> this whole movie is basically two hours of Margot Robbie getting beat up by either her mom or her husband. Um, so you would love, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you would like the trash people and uh, the dirty vibe and stuff like that. And I think you're you're something of a fan of Sem- or quasi true crime biopics. I sure am. Yeah. So there, like, there's stuff like that that's really good, and the story is really interesting. There's a few things that uh, we didn't like, though. Um, this movie dips into that uncanny valley for uh, some CGI uh, skating sequences, where it's pretty good. But there, are, like, on the whole, it's pretty good. But there are other times where you're watching and you're just kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> takes uh, you right out. Yeah, I don't know. I watched it at home. Maybe it would have made a difference if I watched it on a big screen. Like, maybe it would have been less noticeable, more noticeable. I don't know. But uh, that stuff I didn't totally like. Um, They do uh, some talking to the camera. So the way that this movie plays out, it's like half um, mock interviews with the people that I I guess are based on real interviews with the people. And then half like retelling but during like the dramatic retellings the actors will like look at the camera and talk to the audience which is like it's fine um it it, it wasn't bad or anything like that it's just i didn't think it worked super well i don't know that's just me um that was the only things i really had a problem with andrea was like really 
not liking this up front when they tried to pass Margot Robbie off as a uh, 14-year-old. And Sebastian Stan is like a 15-year-old. And they just like, they give them braces and like bowl cuts and dress them down a little bit. Because Andrea's like, who are they fucking trying to kid? It was like, they couldn't cast like a middle ground person for this. Because it's only like uh, 10 minutes maybe. But it's about 10 minutes of them playing like 14, 15-year-olds. And uh, Andrea found that pretty distracting. But the other thing I'll say, uh, this is a very um, flashy movie. It's polished up. It's it's a good Oscar bait thing. Like um, it's really well edited, uh, and especially with the music. The music is good. Um, it's got some of my all time favorite songs, like "Goodbye Stranger" by Supertramp. That's playing, a la Magnolia. Um, I don't know, like. It's edited well and the music's well and the story's pretty good. It's it it's not bad. I, like I liked it. There's a few things I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Hmm. You know what I mean, dog? I I'll have to take your word for it until I see this movie when it shows up on Netflix or something. I was gonna say when when it comes to Netflix, you'll probably watch it. Hey. Yeah. 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 So uh, next, do you want to hear about um one of the finest movies I've encountered this year? Absolutely. So I watched this movie, Jared, that I knew nothing about. I saw that it was available on YouTube for free. Uh, it is a 90s alien pick called Not Like Us. Let me hit you with the letterbox here. Uh, beauty is only skin deep, and they want yours. <gasps> and here's the uh, synopsis. A sexy, horror-filled story featuring two gorgeous aliens who move into a small American town. That's what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. It was made in 1995. Uh, and I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. I think this movie is really good. Um, it is not an award-winning movie. It is not a movie you're going to call your parents to watch or like tell them about. But if you like aliens, Jarrett, and you like horror movies and you like goofy stuff you just might like not like us you want to hear about this movie a little bit i I feel like you're going to tell me anyway i'm going to tell you about this movie a little bit here Jarrett. so this movie i think the reason i think this movie is like so successful for me personally (laughs) why why, what this movie achieves is that uh they fucking it's just balls out man this movie's got like got big balls they go for it they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. We're going to make this alien movie. We're going to do it the way we want it, and we're going to do it hard and fast. Uh, and I really appreciate that. It's unapologetic in the fact that it's just, like, naked ladies getting with dudes and then, like, punching dudes into fucking orbit, uh, I'm, which does happen. I'm mm-hmm. not totally into orbit, but there is a scene where a lady punches a guy, and he fucking flies, like, 60 feet in the air into some trees, and it looks pretty good. Um, you get, uh, alien daggers and needles thrown into guys' dicks. Uh, you have naked ladies throughout the movie. Um, what else we got here? Uh, oh yeah. So the movie starts and bodies are winding up or body winding up. Bodies are being found around the area and, uh, the cause of death. Uh, and I wrote it down as a quote was multiple purple rash syndrome. Uh, people get, are getting purple rashes. Uh, and so what happens is the alien lady picks up dudes, takes them back to the house, and uh, they basically, like, take their skin. Uh, it's kind of like she, under, your, under the skin. It is. See? Uh, who, whoever made that movie fucking ripped off Not Like Us 
Because uh, this movie has some gnarly stuff in it, too. I'll get there. That's not the only uh, movie we'll be talking about that uh, lifts from Under the Skin. Under the Skin, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just get to that point. Uh, this movie actually has, like, some pretty decent gore, uh, vi- like, special effects. Um, later on in the movie, you see the lady character, and her skin has been ruined, so she takes it off, and she's just kind of, like, unraveling it, like you would, like a like, a knee sock. And she takes off all of the skin uh, and you see it all. She just drops it on the floor. Um, it looks really good, man. Like I, for 1995, I thought it looked awesome today. I don't know what it would have looked like 20 years ago, but um, she unravels her skin. And then you have just like a muscle body, like just mu- like bare muscle, which is pretty cool. And then she like gets a different lady's body and s- removes the skin off of that. But you see her like pull out the rib cage and just like toss it on the ground and like arms are flying around and people are regrowing limbs in this thing. And like it actually, I'm not kidding. It actually had some pretty, pretty cool practical effects. Um, you get uh, a group of uh, chuds in, uh, in the alien headquarters, which is pretty cool. And they look not bad too. There's like one guy who has like two noses and like half a mouth. He was pretty neat. Um, what else we got in this movie? I I wrote a list because I I didn't want to forget. Oh yeah. You have hero dog who is a detective. Uh, he's on the case. He, he sees like some limbs and stuff and then he brings back like a wallet and badge and like a gun basically to this lady. So you got hero dog. Uh, you get a guy punched in the space there's some wicked dick blasts. Um, there's a couple ballroom. Or, is, is there unwicked dick blasts? Yeah, I've seen some pretty lame dick blasts. Okay. So this one has pretty wicked dick blasts. Um, there's some hit and runs where people back up and finish the job. Uh, this has one of your favorite practical effects, full body burns. Uh, and this film has Clint Howard in a brief appearance out of nowhere for no reason. He gives a line of dialogue while he's playing ping pong and that's all you see him. But I was like, Hey, that's nice. Uh, this movie is awesome. I thought it was really good. The only thing I didn't like is there's a scene where the lady kicks the dog into space and like, I know it's not a real dog, but in the next scene, the dog is limping. So unless they train that dog to walk with a limp, I I feel like they, maybe someone stepped on that dog's foot. And that's kind of sad. But uh, this is a hard recommend, man. Like, I thought this movie was actually really good. Hmm. Um, it's like trash side. How does five. it compare to The Cat? This is better than The Cat. Whoa. This is way better than The Cat. Oh, man. This movie is awesome, man. You, like, it's like trash sci-fi. And you have, this. here's a scene you would like. Uh, so the foxy lady encounters a homeless man on the street and uh, she's like, get in. And the homeless man goes, I haven't had a woman in 20 years. And then he pulls a knife on her and then rapes her. So that's a, that's a real Jared thing. Well, she's into <laughs> it. It's not rape. Uh, she's like into it. So it's not really your thing. Okay. It's not rape, but. But. Well, no, like, because he's going to, but she's like, yeah, bring it on. And he's like, oh, you're into this? So uh, it's it's great. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's goofy and it's trashy and it's got aliens but it has really uh surprisingly good practical effects um i don't know 
I think this movie is wicked good. I'm going to check out the, the the lady who wrote it was Daniela Purcell. And uh, she has some other movies, and I'm going to check them all out because uh, they sound wicked good. Like, what is this one? Midnight Tease. She'll tease you to death. <gasps> so um, I thought that was pretty good. I think you would like not like us, maybe, if you watched on the couch with your buddies. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got two more movies, and then we have a joint movie. Okay. Tease that a little bit. So uh, I watched uh, a Western to pair with our Western this week uh-huh. uh do you, do you know what i watched this week Jared? uh you watched the indian fighter i watched the indian fighter starring kirk douglas and walter matthau and lon cheney jr uh directed by some guy named andre de toth who yeah. did house of wax bunch of stuff this eyebrow uh eye patch looking dude who did mm-hmm. ramrod and all, all the all, gr- that. all the old great uh, directors from like the first half of the 20th century had uh, eye patches eye patches yeah so i watched the indian fighter um because i wanted to watch another western and not because it had a hilarious name uh this movie is a little bit racially insensitive hmm. at times no kidding uh it's actually not bad though um for westerns it was pretty good like so kirk douglas is this guy who it's kind of like a not a vagabond but like a, a roving cowboy and he like knows the indian tribes as they call them uh and the indians are having problems with the white men trying to get into their land for gold and there's like a little fort like a couple miles away where the white men are set up and it's kind of it's Cowboys versus Indians and Kirk Douglas is in the middle of it and in the middle of it he sees uh, a native lady that he has the hots for Uh, she's not uh, an actual indigenous person she's an Italian woman darkened up a little bit with a little grease a little red paint Um, but the rest of the actors look like actual indigenous folk so that's nice Italians yeah half of them are Italians and half of I think there, there's a few in there they tried for. Oh, I'm just reading uh, about their Sioux. Sioux? Sioux warriors. Yeah. Yeah. So you um, you have that. You actually – so you have a couple dudes like from the, uh, the Indian clan uh, who are pretty ace horse riders. They're doing lots of tricks and shit like where you – where they climb under the horse like from the back to the horse's like stomach and like ride below the horse. Cool. There's a lot of that in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of like trick riding. Uh, there's some scalping, which I know you like. Um, there is one big fan. <laughs> big fan. Uh, there's actually a pretty cool action sequence where the Indians like try to raid the fort, and uh, they like set fire to it, and they have these huge like um, bendy sticks that they like dip into like fire, and they like throw throw over the the fence. That was pretty cool. I thought that was all right. Um, this movie's okay. It's not great, but it, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Walter Matthau is in it as like a sleazy white guy, and that was really cool. Uh, Kirk Douglas rapes some Indian lady. Um, <laughs> let, let, so, that, let that hang out there. Yeah, it's 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 weird actually because like he sees her and he's like, "Hey, you've really grown up since the last time I was around here," and she's like, "Yeah, I have." And then he tries to kiss her. And she's like, no, don't. And she tries to run away. And he, like, grabs her and, like, puts her on the ground. And then he laughs and let her go. Laughs and lets her go. 
And then, like, later in the movie, he does it again. But this time, like, she tries to stab him and he, like, knocks the knife out of her hand. And then he actually does do it. But then afterwards, it's all okay because she really was into it. So it was a good thing he uh, he really put himself out there. Uh. <laughs> he tries to leave in, uh, early in the morning to only to trip and fall over because she tied a string to his foot. So uh, if he tried to leave in the night, she would know. Ah, that, make, that makes it all right. That makes it all right. So that part's a little sleazy, but uh, the Indian attack on the cowboy fort is pretty cool. Hmm. Walter Matthau's cool, but I don't know. It's the horse tricks by the uh, the indigenous folk is also cool. Anyways, I just wanted to western it up a little bit this week, Jared. All right then. And then I have one more fucking movie that you made me watch. <laughs> I suggested you should watch it. No, you didn't. Yeah. Okay. So by the way Jarrett suggests things is different from how a normal person would suggest things. Basically, he, you know how I've been talking about how Jarrett's like really into all these like weird things. Those are the way. He, those are those subtle suggestions he puts on you. But anyways, I watched Duncan Jones's Mute. So Newton, tell me ha, what ha, you know. Newton, about this. Well, all I know, RJ, is that it was uh, being watched in the last few days because it made its debut, its debut on mm-hmm. Netflix over the weekend, and uh, I've seen that the reaction to it has been quite negative, quite mm-hmm. poor. Uh, it's Duncan Jones, who I guess some might say is a one-hit wonder. Making that moon Possibly. that everybody loved. Uh, he directed yeah. that source code, which people were like, yeah, that was okay. And mm-hmm. then he directed that uh, Warcraft movie that's like not very good. In that Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. I have not seen it. Cannot confirm. Uh, and then this, I guess, was like, I don't know. It seems like it has potential on paper of like mm-hmm. this like near future kind of uh, urban neon noir sort of thing. It's yeah. like this sound this sounds very interesting indeed, but it seems like people just hate this, this piece of shit. And uh I was like, RJ, I think you needed to take the plunge on this. You like to watch these types of movies and we'll get the we'll get the real take. We'll get we'll know what this movie's really about when RJ watches it. So I actually knew about this movie a while ago. I heard he was making a Netflix sci fi movie with Paul Rudd, and I was like, That sounds super cool. And I saw a picture of Paul Rudd in this movie with his huge, like, sideburns that go into a mustache and, like, a Hawaiian T-shirt. And it was, like, him in this dirty street. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Sign me up. Uh, I also like Duncan Jones. Uh, David Bowie's son. David Robert Jones's son, if you knew that. This movie's dedicated to Mr. David Bowie. That's unfortunate. Which is unfortunate, <laughs> yeah. And uh, his, I think his mom, too? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I, I really like Moon. I think it's pretty good. Uh, I like Source Code too, but I I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Like when I watched it, I was like, yeah, it was good. I have no desire to revisit it. Um, so this Mute movie I had heard about for a little while, like when they announced it would go to Netflix. Apparently, this is a passion project of his that he's been trying to make for like 15 years. And uh, I guess he was a little sour that it was going to Netflix because he thought it really deserved the uh, the big screen treatment. Um, but I think this is just another good example of uh, Netflix's uh, A-list dumping, like the Cloverfield paradox, where it's like <laughs> movies that are too big to just be like, oh, fuck. It's like, well, it's not going to make any money. That sucks. 
Hmm. But uh, they dump it on Netflix and it gets watched, even if it's horrible. Because that's what people do, apparently. People like me. I yeah. gave it a view. And now it's it's like it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. So Mute is about the future. It's a Blade Runner world. Lots of neon. Lots of like technology stuff. And you're introduced to a man who's your main character. He's one of them scars guards. He's the tall one. Uh, and he is a mute because when he was a little kid, he was in a lake and a boat propeller like cut open his throat. But he could have had sur- <laughs> he could have had surgery to repair his vocal cords, but he didn't. You know why, Jarrett? Why? Because it's against his religion. Oh, you know what his religion is, Jarrett? What? Amish. Oh my God. So in this future world, you have Amish people who live in the city who don't do Amish things. He has a cell phone, but he dresses like an Amish man, and he is practical like an Amish man, I guess. There's a scene where he, like, doesn't watch TV, and someone makes a note of it. It's like, oh, you must be, like, strict. And he's like, yeah. Well, he doesn't say, yeah, because he can't talk, but he's like, yeah. Uh, But he has a cell phone, I guess, and he lives in the city. He's not on a farm, so I don't really know why. Like, I don't know why he's Amish. I guess it's to make him like like to alienate him a little bit like he's the outsider because everyone has like these fucking rupaul haircuts with like neon glasses and like painted up faces and some of some of the designs and like the sets aren't bad there's just a lot of it that you're kind of like i don't really know why this is in here Uh, or why it's really it needs to be in the future anyways is also a little bit weird okay so this movie jerry it's a little bit convoluted he is a mute bartender and he has a girlfriend simultaneously and in other who's Amish simultaneously and in other parts of the city you have uh, Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux as a ragtag team of doctors but also work for the mob there they like fix up mob guys who get in fights but they also like kill people for the mob Hmm. and Justin Theroux is a pedophile Ah. And uh, he films like they he like makes prosthetic legs for little kids, but he like films them naked. (laughs) And Paul Rudd has a little kid who he's like it's made very clear that he'll like he'll do anything to protect her. And then he finds out like they're like their relationship isn't really explained. It's like they're kind of cousins, maybe. Also, Paul Rudd's name is something like Tex Avery or like. Oh, oh, what the fuck was it? Cactus Bill. So Cactus Bill and uh, Justin Theroux, they're like these doctors. And Paul Rudd has a little kid, but he doesn't want him near Justin Theroux because Justin Theroux is like clearly going to rape a little kid sometime soon. Huh. You see him in brothels and he always asks for like the youngest girl. And you're like, all right. So that's happening on this other part of town. Here. Don't worry about that right now. So what happens is the mute bartender has a girlfriend. And she goes missing and he's trying to find her. And what happens next is he goes on like a Forrest Gump like adventure where he keeps crossing the paths of like he meets the mob. He meets uh, the the English guy from Lost, but he's dressed up like a Japanese woman and he has sex with robots. He goes to a gay whorehouse. He goes to... um, I don't know. He goes all over the place, man. This movie so sounds he, busy. 
Yeah, it's busy. And uh, by chance, he kind of crosses paths with Paul Rudd at one point uh, because he's like the mute bartender is pissing off the mob because he's like going to all these places that the mob runs because he's looking for his girlfriend. And Paul Rudd knows about it because they work for the mob, too. Paul Rudd is also trying to get papers for him and his daughter so that they can leave to go to America. This takes place in Berlin, if I hadn't mentioned. I don't know if you had. I don't think I did. What the fuck happens next in this movie? Um, what you find out in a very weird way, some somehow in this movie, the mute Amish guy ha- is privy to his girlfriend's memories, but it's not really explained. It's like some, some drag guy hands him a card and is like did you know about this and when he touches the card he like he like remembers stuff that his girlfriend experienced but it's like really weird like later there's a scene where it's like he wasn't there and he's just seen what happened with his girlfriend and it's like it's an exposition scene but you have a character is, is there gonna be like is, is it going to like uh like snuff films or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah are yeah. you kidding i just guessed that based on well not not like it's not like snuff films totally it's like so okay so what happens can i spoil this movie for you Jared? oh I, yes okay so the girlfriend dies and you see her you see her die and it's like so it's not really a snuff film but like you see the memory and it's this guy he's like he's like you try to take my daughter away from me she's my blood i'll kill you before you take my blood and you're like okay so yeah i, I that was misleading the snuff films thing okay. um so, but when you see like Don, uh, what's his name? The guy from Lost, uh, Dominic Monaghan. He's like making snuff films with robots dressed up like an Asian woman, like a, a geisha woman. Oh. So okay. Anyways, so what happens in this movie, Jared, is you find out that uh, the mute bartender's girlfriend was Paul Rudd's ex-wife, uh, mother of the daughter that he cares about so much, and Paul Rudd wanted to leave but he found out that the girlfriend wanted to leave with the daughter also so paul rudd drugs the amish man and the woman and he kidnaps her and then he kills her so uh the scars guard man finds this out he goes on a personal uh revenge uh john wick style thing with a huge wooden leg because he's amish so he like may makes wooden table legs or some shit so he goes on this thing and you see him like fighting people and he has a confrontation with paul rudd which, like, why? It doesn't matter. I don't know why. Finds out his girlfriend's dead. He kills the girl. Or he kills Paul Rudd. And then Justin Theroux knocks out uh, the Skarsgård man. Uh, and he, Justin Theroux, uh, who, like, you, fi- you think he's friends with Paul Rudd throughout this movie. But then at the end, like, he discovers Paul Rudd's dying. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. He's like, because Paul Rudd's, like, not dead yet. He's like, I could save you. He's like, but your daughter's home. I'm going to go hang out with her instead. So, like, it leaves on a note where Paul Rudd's basically, like, he tells Paul Rudd, he's like, I'm going to go rape your, and molest your daughter a bunch because she's a little kid and I'm a pedophile. And you're like, okay. But then, Jared, this movie's not over yet. Justin Thoreau uh, does surgery on the mute Amish man to give him a vocal box, um, which isn't totally explained. I think you're supposed to be led to believe that it's, like, a punishment, like a, a weird kind of torture to him it's like you didn't want your throat fixed but i fixed it for you and 
then Justin Theroux has him in the car with him and the little girl, and they're going to go to Disneyland or something. They're going to go to an amusement park. And then the Skarsgård man wakes up, and they jump into a river. Throughout the movie, you see that the Skarsgård guy, like, swims a lot. And he does this thing. I don't know if this is an Amish thing. He, like, inhale, takes a big, deep breath, and then, like, drinks a huge thing of water and then exhales. Like, I don't know if that's some Amish thing or if that's just a thing they were doing in this movie. I don't know. Uh, but you, so you, you're shown throughout the course of the movie, Jared, that he can hold his breath. So he jumps with Justin Thoreau into a river and drowns him. And then he comes out and he, uh, the little girl's going to walk off a bridge and he has to use his new voice. And he says, no, don't. It's dangerous. And then he adopts the girl. And then the movie's over. So uh, Duncan Jones needed to tell this story for 15 years. Apparently, apparently. And he, ded- uh, and he dedicated it to his dead father, the David Bowie. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I guess like he said it in Berlin because his dad did that trilogy once. Sure. And uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, that, anyways. Yeah, that, that sounds really, really terrible. Uh, it seems to be living up to its reputation. It's not that it's not just that like the movie, like the story is bad. This movie is just like, there's nothing good about it. Like, you know, sometimes there's bad movies like, yeah, but that one scene was awesome. Or it's like, yeah, it looks really good. The story just sucks. Or there's just nothing really about this movie that would make anyone like it. I don't think it doesn't look great. doesn't sound great. Uh, The story is not like super good. Um, It's over two hours long. Oh, <laughs> which is also a little shitty. Mostly, so the reason I disliked it so much was when I was done, it mostly just felt like a waste of time. I was just like, fuck. He's like, I could have been doing so many other things in that two hours. You could have watched The Puppet Master. I could have. I could have done a lot of things. <laughs> but anyways, it's just, it's not good. So you made me do it, and now it's on our podcast forever. Thanks. Thanks, RJ. You took a hit for the team. Finally, mm-hmm. for once. For once. And then we watched another movie together. Well, we watched one movie together. Yeah, we watched uh, another movie together. That's right. Which is uh, also a big, big Hollywood sci-fi. Uh, kind of. Uh, you want to talk it, about it? Sure. So, RJ, uh, as you're aware, you and I went to the theater together. That's we did? It's, yep. It's been a while, and uh, mm-hmm. you and I saw that Annihilation, mm-hmm. uh, the new film from old uh, Alex Gar- Garland, uh, who directed mm-hmm. that Ex Machina that we both watched a couple of years ago and both enjoyed a great deal. Uh, and this is a movie that, I don't know, the I kind of predicted, I think, accurately that this movie didn't, I didn't feel like it was going to do very well. Um, it seemed to have like mm-hmm. a critic response would seem to be strong uh the trailer looked good i think when we saw it like we had no idea what this thing was we both were like struck by how good the visuals were and whatnot and i was yeah. like what in the hell is this movie coming out february that's bizarre but then i was like oh shit it's Alec garland shit this is gonna be great and mm-hmm. um but i don't know this movie's coming out like a week after black panther just came out which has got to be one of the probably the 
it's already like the biggest movie of the year, if not like all time, like one of those like all time movies, all time bangers, uh, all time bangers budget like for like a yeah. box office. So it's like, oh shit, no one's gonna give a shit about this movie. But perhaps like twenty years from now, people will be like, oh yeah, Annihilation. It's a it's a sci fi classic. It never had a chance. It came out the week after Black Panther. Just like mm-hmm. how the thing never had a chance against E. T. But uh, that's exaggerating because Annihilation is n- not the thing um so we went to this i wanted to see it before because it seemed like people started to go see it uh everyone seemed to be enjoying it yeah uh and yeah so we saw this bad boy Uh, i think the real highlight of the whole experience for me was uh we got to see silver fox it had been uh could you remind people about who that is any new listeners so new listeners uh one of the ongoing stories uh is it seems like when we've gone to movies uh, on a Saturday in the first mm-hmm. screening of the day for a movie after it opens up, there's a gentleman that uh, I think RJ started calling the Silver Fox. No, I didn't. Are you uh, sure? I, no, I think you did because I like to, um, in my mind, his name is Caliban because uh, he is a warlock in like a Wiccan clan. Mm. But uh, that's unverified. So Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. the, the first time we ever saw this dude, I think it was at The Witch. Yes, with, and I thought he was with Wiccan people, but mm-hmm. I think now I, I realize I think they were just at the movie too, and uh, I'm just a, a horrible person. Yeah. Uh, describe this fella. He's like, I don't know, kind of looks like, I, I think I sent a picture of him to you, uh, Bill Mosley in The Devil's Rejects. And, yes. Uh, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. He has like, like really like a shock of like white hair, mm-hmm. long white hair, darker beard and stuff like that. He's just a mm-hmm. guy, thin keeps to himself he goes to movies uh and he likes to go to these genre horror movies it seems uh at the same time that we do mm-hmm. if we nail it just right on those saturday afternoons and yep. just as the movie was starting and we were like oh i guess he didn't make it and i was like yep maybe his like motorcycle broke down or something and sure enough mm-hmm. he sauntered in and i just hit rj in the arm and went, fuck yeah yeah i uh i gotta say i've known Jarrett for about four years now and this was not i'm not kidding i'm totally honest the most genuine joy and excitement i have ever seen come out of him I, I, at least since uh we went to it and he was at that as well and i think you yeah. said the same thing at, the, at that time <laughs> yeah you 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 get so fucking jacked when yeah. you see this dude but it's 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 nice it is it's always the the first showing on a saturday of an opening weekend of like a genre film yep and he's there he's there man though he, i was a little bummed he was not there for mother but uh like, yeah, maybe he was gone that weekend. Maybe he was unavailable, uh, mm-hmm. uh, or he just says no to Jennifer Lawrence because he knows that she didn't finish high school. Um, so anyway, yeah. so we watched this movie. Uh, and one fun fact uh, I'll put out there: uh, this might have hampered my ability to enjoy this movie. But uh, the, the theater we saw this in, uh, it was like Theater Five, which is a theater like I don't think I've been in like in a very, very long time. It's kind of like mm. the second, it's like the second run theater in the first run theater. It's not in the big 3D screening. It's not like the bigger, like uh, stadium style The seating. D-box seats. It's just like a theater. Yeah. But uh, there was an issue with, I think the central speaker, like the center mm-hmm. sound speaker, because all the dialogue of Natalie Portman that came through when there wasn't music playing as well, it was like coming through like a really bad speaker that was like overblown. It and sounded like this. 
Yeah, this is how it sounded I, when you I, were talking. I, I don't, I don't want to talk like into a microphone because it's a horrible yeah. sound quality. But it's kind of like talking too closely to a microphone like this, and it's all burnt out, and it's just like, what the fuck? And you and I are looking at one another, like, are yeah. we both hearing this? Yes. And like, I'm looking around in the theater, and like, no one's like reacting. They're just like going along with it. And I'm like, this sounds like a like a shitty like downloaded movie on with a bad codec mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like oh my god is this what it's going to be like the whole movie but then I started second guessing myself thinking oh maybe it's like a, it's, intentional. An, it's an intentional choice like Christopher Nolan because uh, yeah. like it seems like people always lose their shit with like Christopher Nolan like because he uses like different sound sort of mastering with like Bane yeah. or an interstellar and they have to put signs up to warn people this is part of the experience but there was no yeah. signs like that about this movie and it became clear that there was just something wrong with the uh, speaker itself <clears throat> so yeah. that sucked yeah I gotta say I think this was a major hindrance to uh, our viewing experience um, I think it definitely brought it down for us because literally almost any scene in this movie the audio was like is like just like kind of on the edge. Yeah. Like I'd say like, like it was not an issue when there was music playing, but there yeah. was like occasions dialogue. Yeah. Dialogue when it's just like Natalie Portman, and Oscar Isaac's talking in bed and yeah. it sounded like it was like a warbly. And then there was times where, uh, like the, like a record was playing like yeah. uh, diegetic music or whatever and it was all blown out and you're like what the fuck this just sounds like shit why is no one mad about this shouldn't someone be going to complain other than just us like are we the only ones who like can hear this I don't know well the shitty thing too is like I think either one of us would have gotten up to say something but you and me were in the very center mm-hmm. of a of a, an aisle and there was like it we actually it was kind of busy there was like lots of people on the seats past us on either side. So it's just like, fuck It's like, I don't want to have to be the one to do it. I was just, I was hoping the whole movie. I was like, will someone sitting on the fucking, like the aisle just go and say something please. And, um, someone, they were after the movie, there was people talking to like the managers and shit. So those guys probably got free passes, but, uh, <laughs> we were chumps and we left. Yeah. Maybe. I so anyways, know. I think that was a big hindrance, but, uh, tell me what you thought of annihilation. Well, Okay, so Annihilation for people, because a lot of people didn't see this movie. Uh, it only made $11 yeah. million, as I predicted. It just it wasn't yeah. cut any breaks. seems like Paramount's kind of bad at promoting movies, because like Mother, um, people yeah. just were like, eh, this movie looks like nothing special. And I would argue that this movie kind of isn't anything special. I think it was a huge step sure. down for Ex Machina. Um, I see a lot of people like this movie a great deal, mm-hmm. um, which is, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad they do. Um, my problems with this, though, is, like, I was, like, kind of picking apart the movie while I was watching it. And maybe, like, this, because the sound sucked that it didn't help me get, like, immersed into the whole thing. Yeah. But to me, um, the way people talk about Arrival being this very intelligent piece of science fiction and stuff like that. But I think yeah. that movie's like, not very smart at all. I feel you like hate this... Denny Villeneuve, too, though. Um, I don't think you do. He's I don't know. I like the enemy. Um, so anyway. Yeah. This movie seems like it's the same type of like it's like the same intelligence of Arrival, but it's now applied to uh, Tarkovsky Stalker with a little bit of Solaris. Um, right, it's kind of and a little under the skin thrown in for a good little, measure. Uh, lots of sci-fi references, and actually, the the deepest cut of this movie is the uh, Bear Monster, which is exactly from the movie uh, The Prophecy. This like late seventies mm. environmental horror movie about a monster bear uh, that like, has a skull top. And it's like the exact same monster. And I was like, what? Because I was watching the movie and I was like, 
I have seen that monster. I've seen this bear monster before. Yeah. That okay. What that, about the audio qual or characteristic <laughs> of the bear? We don't have to say what it is, but oh, like you know, no, the no, vocal no, quality is that from that no, movie. No, no, just it's just the visual. Okay, because like, that was cool. I like that. Yeah. So, to recap this movie briefly, Natalie Portman, she's a cellular biologist, I guess. Of some, uh, something. yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. And so that's good. Uh, her, she's kind of grieving because her husband is a soldier, and he went to do something, and he disappeared, and he's just like missing in action. And she's been in this kind of period of time in her life for like a year of not knowing where he's been. And she's just feeling sad. And then all of a sudden he shows up in their house at the door. And you're thinking, oh, it's like a hallucination. It's like, oh, it's a ghostly specter. And this is like, of course, like at the time watching it, the sound quality is really bad and distorted. So I'm like, is this like a weird Uh like memory thing going on? Because the whole movie has got a, it's like, it has a framing sequence of Natalie Portman telling us about the entire thing from the end of the movie, her being interrogated by like the U S government about what happened in there. Tell us what's going on. And so I kept thinking that this audio thing was like a choice of like, Oh, it's a distortion, but no, it was just a shitty theater experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we get to see them like have these interactions. He's all, he seems all weird. No one knows what's going on. And then he starts vomiting up blood. He's sick. Yeah. They, they, she calls the ambulance. They hit the road and then a bunch of SUVs all show up and they are, and they get, they pull over the, the ambulance and it's just like, okay, whatever. This is just like every sci-fi movie beat you've ever seen. It's like, this is all very contrived. And then they're just transported sure. to this base in the like Florida Everglades off some like national park. Because mm-hmm. I guess before this movie even gets going, there's a sort of like imagery of a, a meteor landing at a light tower off the like uh, Atlantic coast. The coast, yeah, or like inter- I'm not sure what coast. If it's the Gulf of Mexico or the other side, probably the Come on. Prob- probably the Gulf. Did you watch this movie at all? Yes, and the I was comic also, came. I was from also the west. I was so it's pr- the west coast. Okay, the west coast of Florida. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Which is, yeah. Anyway, the west side of the peninsula. Sure. What, whatever. Anyway, yeah. RJ. <clears throat> so uh-huh. she's just there. She's just like, whatever. We're going to bring you along. And now there's going to be mm-hmm. a team of ladies scientists who all just get along mm-hmm. and they make bets because that's what you do. They have that camaraderie like, ha, we are making a bet that you were so-and-so. Ha, <laughs> ha. And it's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. That real hack writing shit. And, um... <laughs> And then they're like, oh, we're going to go into the shimmer. And it's like, what's the shimmer? And it's like, well, after this like thing landed near this light mm-hmm. tower, it created this sort of like big prismatic energy force that surrounds this area and it seems to be growing. And every time we send people into it, they never come out, except until your husband, who just showed up. And we don't want to know why. And, we, and this whole time, they don't really explain this explicitly. They've been sending male soldiers and none of them have come out. So now they're going to send all women. It's a menstrual thing. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Jennifer. I, I kind of like that they don't explain it. It's just it's like. Just, it's just there. It's like, yeah. they're like, you'll figure it out. Like, I, we don't have to spell it all out for you. I guess. Okay. So, yeah. and then uh, uh, Jennifer Je- 
what's her name? Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. Yeah, so yeah. she gets to play the utterly thankless role of that character who's just like, I've seen it all. I'm indifferent <laughs> to everything. And it's like, like you the Jared. people would be like, okay, well, she sucked in that movie. But I'm like, no, uh-huh. she's like good in movies. This is just a shitty role. This is like a like that character that you just get to play in these movies because those, those sure. characters just get to exist. And um, anyway, they go into the shimmer which is just the stand-in for the zone in the movie stalker which rj have you seen stalker i haven't but i know it's a future creep do you own the criterion well why don't you sling it my way and i'll have a better input on it okay so the one thing have you have you watched any Tarkovsky movies yet solaris like the original not the Uh, the andre rublev yeah no Different. Uh, no, I have seen the um, George yeah, Clooney yeah, Solaris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've seen Andre Rublev, but uh, not not uh, his sci-fi. <laughs> not films. Stalker. Here, yeah. I'll I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, Andre Rublev is it. Yes, that's that, it. Oh, about, that's yeah. it, baby. Um, so anyway, Stalker is this like beautifully shot, slowly paced, methodical movie. That just like yeah. draws you in, and uh, it's just like a visual, like Marvel. Like the movie looks amazing. Um, right. It's not like I wouldn't even. Call, it couldn't. It'd be a stretch to call it like an entertaining movie. It's just like like even like I think uh, my friend Corey just watched it recently. He admitted there was a point where he like fell asleep watching it because that movie. It's just like nice. a movie that like you you were watching it, and there's long scenes where it's like beautifully shot, but it's just like characters talking very quietly in Russian. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's just like it's kind of like a high watermark for a kind of like heady sci-fi movies that like I think uh-huh. most people like I don't know it's not a movie you're like oh it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen but it's a movie you don't forget watching and it's just like okay. it's an amazing experience to watch this if this movie's like a dumb version of that so it's gonna be a lot more palatable I think to a lot sure. of people because you'll actually it's entertaining <laughs> whereas like mm-hmm. I don't know if you could call it stalker entertaining. Uh, so gotcha. get that out there. So there's just scenes that are just full out like oh we've seen I've seen this better and like more interesting even though it's like a slower movie this is just like the an action movie equivalent with it and like because it's like the all women going into it i had these flashes to like the the, the recent ghostbusters movie oh god (laughs) or i was just like oh it's just like because hashtag me too but it was like the movie was written before that so but it felt like there's like sort of a contrivance to that aspect but whatever Uh that's fine um and then they go in and then there's dream sequences of her like re- having flashbacks to like the last year. And, but we don't know uh-huh. that. And then they're like, Whoa, we're having all this sense of lost time. How long have we actually been here? We've clearly been eating, but we don't remember. And right. it's just, it's, so it's them wandering around in this, uh, Everglade in the Shimmer, and they run across things like, look at these flowers. These flowers can't exist. They're all interconnected. And mm-hmm. then they run into like um, the first like monster, which is like this giant crocodile, and it's kind of mutated-ish. And, Into a shark! But then, of course, uh, Natalie Portman takes that fucker out because she was in the army for nine years. Just mm-hmm. So she can, so that explains why she can fire a gun and knows how to use it properly. Um, yep. And uh, I was really aware at this time that this is like kind of like comic talk, but this really felt like an image comic series. Like it felt like a six yeah. issue comic book series by image comics. That if you know what image is, you would know what I'm talking about. It has this feel yeah. to it where it's very like, this was the first issue set up and now we're in the second issue and now we're in the third issue. Like it felt like a graphic novel. Um, yeah. It's kind of like that book, black science. 
Okay. Or, uh, yeah, that's what it's called, right? The Rick, yeah, the Rick Remender one. Yeah. Yeah, that one because they were like traveling to different worlds and there was always different species and stuff. I think your Image Comics comparison is good. I think it's like, say some guy really liked Miyazaki anime and like dug Junji uh, Ito manga as well. And was like, I'm gonna make my own image book like that, but with some sci-fi. That was the vibe. But, 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 I got ve- but very American. And yeah, like, an Americanized yeah, version. That sounds about right. Yeah, this this, this movie yeah. does not resemble a Miyazaki or Junji Ito thing. The in, only, in, in essence of like it being like those things and having those yeah. like qualities, this feels like kind of a second generation ripoff of a lot That's of stuff. I mean. It's like yeah. it's Miyazaki. It's got some Junji Ito body horror thrown in. It's got yeah. uh, Tarkovsky. It's got uh, like any more recent things like Under the Skin, just cause. Um, yep. It's got some 2001 like metaphysical light show sort of experience mm-hmm. stuff in it. I don't know. Uh, and then it kind of like, it feels yeah. like 28 days later for like a little bit because there's this bit where they get to like, um, the, the, it's always these like chapter marks where they get to like, oh, here we go to like this like institution, this facility that's there that's all hollowed out and emptied. And there's a video camera and uh, here's some footage yeah. of like the soldiers. Uh, oh, there's Oscar <laughs> Isaacs in there. And there's like a bit where like they're cutting a man open. And then inside <laughs> you see like intestines all moving around rapidly. And then mm-hmm. we're, t- we're told by a character, no, that was just a trick of the light. <laughs> because that's what, that's what characters only say in movies. Okay, yeah, I, I, I will... I know that I had a feeling you would not not dump on this movie, but I knew what your opinion was of this. So I think I will somewhat be the champion. Okay. Not champion. That's fine. That's I'll defend good. it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll defend it because I actually think it is pretty good. But that part was so dumb. You and me looked at each other and we're just like, what the fuck? Well, that, they came it's like, like yeah. It's like, I know people say stupid shit. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. But it's like, that's so yeah. stupid. Like, well, no one caught that in, in the editing room. It's well, like, ooh, that line doesn't work. Well, whatever. I mean, it's not editing. You can't do anything about it once it's Or said. like, reading the script or something. It's well, like, ooh, maybe well, not. Let's well, not do that And of course, one. that comes like not long after, like, uh, Natalie Portman has a scene where she's like looking at like a board with like, num- like times on it. And she just goes, hey, check this out. And it's just like, oh. Like, what, you don't need to say that. Oh, that. That's just trash dialogue. Come on. Uh-huh. So this movie just feels like meat heady at times, like just dumb. And uh, it feels kind of like it's just like a, a Netflix movie, like which is like kind of almost yep. uh, it's like the new uh, direct-to-video vibe. But it's a, it's a bit better than that. Like it's got more mm-hmm. money to go on than that. But it has like the intelligence of, of a movie that. I don't know. If you took away a few elements, it would be no one would be talking about this. I don't think. So possibly it's got some good visuals. Yes, it does. Um, but like I don't know, it gets kind of it's thankless in some ways. Where I was yep. watching the movie, I was really aware of like how this felt like a derivative of a lot of other good things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say I dislike this movie. I think it's fine, but I think like yep. as time goes on, I don't know how good i think this movie will be um the ending of this movie is just like i don't know it's probably the best part i think like the yeah it is the the, the climax of this movie is like it feels totally different than everything else like actually the whole like first hour and a half is like kind of like whatever like it feels like exactly the type of movie that all these movies are uh it's like and then you get to the lighthouse and then you get to the lighthouse and it's like the 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 tenth movie this year about like a brunette female protagonist going down into a dark hole and like facing a doppelganger. <laughs> like it's just like the same thing. I'm like, oh, hey, remember uh-huh. Last Jedi? <laughs> and um, oh. 
No, anyway. that that doesn't count though. That's Star Wars. Yeah, it's different rules. No, yeah, I, it, seems, um, it seems like lots yeah, of movies the, are about dark holes and going down into them lately. Uh, anyway, yeah. so that's cool. And uh, then the the ending ending is kind of like oh whatever. And then when I see people like talking about how this movie like wrecked them and like blew their minds and stuff like that, I'm just like, you guys all need to read more books. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Okay, so I more or less feel the same way you do. I think I liked it more than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say to start off, uh, the, the speakers and the audio, I do think really hurt this for us. Yeah. And then your toxic negativity also hurt this for us. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, like I understand like there, there are, like you said, it's derivative of a lot of other things and I don't think that's always a bad thing. Sure. It's just, uh, when if you're like close or if you know that other material really well and like i don't think it doesn't sound like you even care about stalker that much you're just like yeah i've seen stalker it's like i know what that was like and this movie's kind of taken from that too so it's like i think that's like a weird thing where it's like it's good and it's bad where in this one i think people are giving it almost a free pass in a sense where it's like uh it's like this really cool old sci-fi movie stalker that is like a hit with all these other guys. Yeah, I think if it was like derivative of like oh. what you said, Star Wars, then everyone would be like, oof, fuck this. I, I think it's, amb- yeah, I mean, it's, it's the type of movie that it is and like the ambition yeah. I think people admire more than I think the actual movie merits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I didn't like Arrival and a lot of people like Arrival. And I'm like, I like I'm, Arrival. I, I know, I know a lot of people like, yeah. per- like I'm kind of mean, like grouchy people don't like Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I don't know, there, and I think I think Arrival. Thinking about it, I think Arrival is better than Annihilation, but I think I like rank Annihilation above Arrival Higher. somehow. So oh, it's because you hate I, Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> no, I think it was also. Nah, I don't know. No, there's some pretty dumb shit. Jeremy Renner sucks. Uh, That's true. He's he's, he's so, and Amy Adams yeah, okay. is not very great in that movie either. There, but there's visually, I think that movie was a lot more in a lot in some ways more interesting than this. Um, but I don't know. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I was just saying, like, I under, I understand that, too. And it's I think it's a weird thing where it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like, when you have a movie that is heavily influenced from some things, sometimes that works really good. And you're like, fuck yeah. It's like they improved or they took certain elements and, like, they made a good product. Or sometimes it's like, oh, man, they took way too heavily from all this other stuff that it's just this big fucking jumble of, like, garbage can. Like, everything's piled in, right? Yeah. So I, I get it. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I like aliens. Hmm. And uh, I don't think this is a spoiler as uh, there is the start of the movie. Like the first scene, I think, is the comet coming in. Yep. So it's technically alien. Um, I think that is awesome. I like the I like what this movie tries to be. And I I really like the sci-fi elements. Like I think the DNA stuff is really cool. I like the idea of this zone and I really like the idea, like... Um, you mean the shimmer? The shimmer, yeah. I, I'll call <laughs> it the zone. Yeah. Um, I really like how it's almost like... Not the mystery about it, where it's like no one ever came out. Not that part. I like the mystery where how once they go in there, they don't even know... Like, they don't remember things. And you're constantly... They're constantly trying to catch up. They're like, we don't remember this and we don't know how we got here. And I think like that element is really good. I wish they did more of that where that's all it's that's all in stalker. 
Okay. We'll see. <laughs> see then maybe maybe once I see Stalker, then I'll come back to this and I'm like, eh. Um, but I, I like I like that element where I think that's a way better mystery of just like being lost and kind of doing that stuff. Um, so I think that's really cool. I do like the body horror and what what I called the Jonji Ito elements, like the uh, the man in the pool. I think is really cool. Yeah. I think the bear is really awesome, and I I loved the the lighthouse. Um, I also really one thing I thought was wicked cool is in front of the lighthouse when you're building up to that. There's that like uh, all those bones that are kind of like organized. And I was like, does that make any sense? No, but it looks really cool. Whereas, like, the skeletons organized oh. in, like, bones. I was like, I, I like the way that looks. That, it doesn't make any sense. That, that reminded but. me of another nitpick. Was the, uh, like, one of the dumbest things I always see in movies is uh, when they have, like, camcorder footage. And, like, oh, they, yeah. so, so yeah, there's yeah. the bit where it's like, oh, this is the stuff that Oscar Isaac shot. And then, like, they have, like, these total different, like, frame qualities where it's like, here's him shooting outdoors and him shooting in this other area where it's like, yeah, this was clearly a shot of the ocean. And then there's, like, the CGI heavy stuff that we just saw them walking by. And we're supposed to believe that that's also part of the camcorder. It's like, no, downgrade that footage. Like, that takes you, like, 30 seconds to do. But, yeah. but it's just like little details like that I, just I always, that always take me out of movies. It's like when they do like news broadcast footage and they don't shoot it properly. I understand. I know. But uh, I, I was just saying those are the things I really liked. Um, like and I, I think the, the ending is really good except for like I think that last 20 minutes is super cool. I really like that except yeah. for the very ending. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit like it's too if I think it fits in too well with horror cliche type stuff not even horror but like you know like i don't know how to describe it it's it fits it's too it's, it's real astronaut's wife That's yeah it's <laughs> it's i don't know it's too it's too much like um you're like okay like leave them on a big stunner but and i know that's not like the point it's like it's not supposed to be taken literal like um i don't i don't think this is a spoiler but i heard someone describe this movie as cancer where it's like that's the theme it's everyone has a kind of cancer it's like oh the dna is changing it's like cancer all these characters are hurt in this way where they're self-destructive like cancer so i feel like the ending like they try to do that where even if you you could take it a different well i think the way they present it is very one one way to like interpret it but i think you could interpret it in different ways where this movie as a whole you're just like what does this like mean is this supposed to be cancer or is the really old gentleman in the uh, hat like the hazmat suit as we were leaving the theater said he's like really makes you think really makes you think so i don't know if like there's certain things where the themes or the ideas but I don't know. Uh, so anyways, my point was, I think I like this more than you did. But at the same time, I don't really know why either. But when I like when I got out or when we left, I was just like, man, I, I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm a little bummed out. Like I was all this hype and buzz. I thought this thing was going to fucking blow our dicks off. But mm-hmm. it didn't. It maybe maybe a ball, but that's it. <laughs> just one ball. Just one ball. So I uh, I, I do. I will say I do share your disappointment where I was like, oh, man, I was kind of hoping this was going to fucking really sweep me away. And there were certain parts it did, but as a whole, I came out, I was like, eh, 
I wish it was better. Yeah. I guess like the thing that I like talking about when we talk about uh, contemporary modern movies is being able to air my grievances with modern filmmaking and uh, mm-hmm. maybe get other people to acknowledge these weird little things that like drive me nuts. Because maybe once you notice sure. it, it'll drive you nuts too and you won't be able to enjoy anything ever again, just like me. Yeah, that's why I don't want to go to movies with you anymore. Because <laughs> I, I, I put that those real eyes on the movie. I strip away the, the charm. <clears throat> yeah. No, I I get it. Like there was, I mean, we weren't talking to each other no. when we were watching the movie, but there was things where like both of us just looked at each other like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, come it's on. a trick of the light, yeah. huh? Oh, yeah, that that bit, that will always be like, ah, good, good, good old movie making writing. Yeah, yeah um, it's like, all right, Jane the Virgin, settle down. Okay, she was pretty good. Yeah, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Anyways, so. RJ, moving along here since we're yeah. going, we're going along as always. Little bit. I uh, watched another Adam Sandler movie. You did? Yeah, I watched Happy Gilmore last nice. week after we podcasted. I got it out of the way. I watched that, that all-time movie. banger. Yeah, last week I was trying to like describe to you like the uh, the music from Happy Gilmore that like really has stuck yeah. with me, and uh, it turns out that old Mark's mother's ball. Uh, Wes Anderson's boy did the score for this movie way back when of uh, Devo fame and nice. uh, listening to it. I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. So what can you say about happy Gilmore? Uh, it rules. It's, it's a, it rules. It, okay. It's a nineties comedy, but I'd say as far as like nineties comedies go, I'd say that it's like decent. Like it's, uh, it's no dumb and dumber, which Come on. is uh, an all time classic film rj mm-hmm. uh happy go more is like good it's got some dumb stuff but it's it's so much better than billy madison uh like uh-huh. by, by a great deal uh billy madison is just like it's got so much lazy shitty humor and like bits that like go nowhere uh mm-hmm. and it's like adam sandler allowed to kind of like be at his like most indulgent and way too young to be like no to know better and just doing stuff, it's like riffing, but for him, his riffing is like painfully bad. Happy Gilmore, it's got a tight script because uh, it's just like, hey, we're making a sports movie, and it's going to be a sports comedy, and that's all you have to do. Uh, he has like challenges put ahead of him. He's like, he's an underachiever, and he, he really wants to do one thing, and he's no good at it. And now it's like, oh, no, uh, his grandma's going to lose the house, and now she's got to be put into an old folks' home, and uh, mm-hmm. he really wants to save the house. And an opportunity presents itself uh haphazardly because he actually has a skill for something that he had no idea he had before and then it's just him going and doing both those things and making jokes along the way and he runs into a snob who's like really good at things and uh is like i don't know great villain in shooter mcgavin oh fuck uh chris christopher mcdonald is like so good in this movie uh <laughs> I, I i've always thought he was like it's probably the best thing he's done uh and then when you look over his like uh filmography you're like oh yeah he hasn't really done he hasn't been able to really live up to the heights of uh, Shooter McGavin. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I've always, uh, I think the first time I ever watched this, I didn't know who Ben Stiller was. And then like there came a point where I'm like, hey, that was that nurse guy's Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's hilarious in this. Uh, every scene he's yeah. in, he gets the steal being the cruel nurse <laughs> at the old folks home. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what to say about this. It's good. It's a charming movie. Uh, uh, easy, it's such it's an easy watch. Uh-huh. Um, 
I don't it's know. an all-time banger. Yeah, I, I know you uh, seem to have real strong feelings about this Happy Gilmore. Uh, I, I, I mean, think, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, like, not a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, what, what, what else can you say about this movie? It's just like, yeah, it's a 90s comedy thing. It's. I think I talked about it last January, so I won't go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Happy Gilmore is, I think it's up there with Dumb and Dumber up in those the upper echelon of 90s comedies. Yeah. So uh I think that movie's really good and I think uh you're you're nuts. <laughs> Funny. So uh what do we got next tonight? Are you going to watch no. uh The Wedding Singer? Nope. You should watch The Wedding Singer. I'm, we're, we're, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Adam Sandler. This is like Happy Gilmore's the peak and then it's just all downhill from there. Okay, but when are we going to get to the Zohan? Ugh. Um speaking of like really terrible movies, yeah. I continued watch. So I decided with the Oscar watching, uh, I'm just going to skip ahead to the rest of the movies I haven't seen. I've got mm-hmm. like, what, four days, five days before the Oscars. So I've got, I've got to try to squeeze in the remaining, I think, five I've got. The problem is they're all like fucking f- forever to watch. They're all long. Mm-hmm. So I'm chipping away. But uh, first up in the chronology was uh, Best Picture winner for 1980 or 81. Chariots of Fire. Nice. Um, is that a biblical epic? No, it's a movie about uh, like uh, boy, lame. about like college age track and fielders competing in like oh. 19, 19, 1920, running on beaches, running to Vangelis. Yeah. Vangelis. Sure. Uh, so Vangelis is awesome. Uh, that song is an awesome, the iconic song from Chariots of Fire. It's great. Uh, the soundtrack, the Vangelis songs, anything Vangelis does is pretty good. What are you saying? What is this word you're saying? Vangelis, the composer. Vangelis? It's like, Van, what's this? It's a Greek guy, I believe. It's like Vangelis Papadourokos or something like that. It's it's Greek last name. Vangelis. Okay. V, V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S. That's R-J. not helping. That's not helping. Okay. Keep going. Anyways, everyone who listens knows what I'm talking about except for you. So sure. uh, this movie, I went in having zero interest in going to watch it. Like I knew I'm not going to like this movie. I don't mm-hmm. care about anything on the face of this unless it's like a real surprisingly made, well, well-made movie that's going to draw me into the narrative. I am not going to care about this because it's like old, like rich white kids and mm-hmm. track and field. And I'm like, well, it could be good. It's a sports movie, right? Good. Well, RJ, it's no Happy Gilmore. This movie is so uninteresting, so fucking boring. I tapped, nice. I tapped out. I just, I gave up watching it um, yeah. because I didn't care about a single goddamn thing happening in it at mm-hmm. all. It's just about these guys going to college and then they join the track and field. And I guess like mm-hmm. one of them keeps saying he's Jewish and they keep reminding you that he's Jewish. So he's going to have a harder time doing stuff because of discrimination. And I'm like, um, like, is what? it? Have you seen School Ties? No. Okay, never mind then. Okay, never mind. Okay, keep going about how he's Jewish and how he has a hard time with things. Yeah, I I think that's something that's going on, but I didn't care. Um, there's some character yeah. actor types and actors that show up in this in the background, but like I just zoned out and I was just like on my laptop doing everything else. I said, and I was yeah. like, you know what? Fuck Chariots of Fire. This movie sucks. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I watched another Best Picture winner that was a rewatch. And also, I think the first Criterion Creep rewatch of uh, this whole run. And I watched Silence of the Lambs because I just got that Blu-ray Ooh. in the mail. And I watched that. And that movie's amazing, RJ. 
movie's fucking amazing. I also watched The Night of the Living Dead Criterion Blu-ray that just came out. Hmm. And that movie's amazing. It's too bad we'll never talk about uh, those movies. Uh, at this rate, well, we already did talk about one of those. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, though. One day. Did we? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Chariots of Fire was a bust. That movie stinks. Hmm. Uh, just don't. Unless you really are, like, you think you're going to like it, don't don't watch it. It's just that's not even well shot or anything. It's just boring. It's got some of the worst steady cam footage I've ever seen, where it's like shaky as fuck. And I don't know if it was like mm-hmm. the DVD copy I was watching, but this is like the Warner Brothers release of it that like isn't that old. And I'm like, why is it shaking? Like, why is like the frame literally shaking? And yeah. I was just like, this is like not good. Looked it up. Old Rod Gebert gave it four stars and talked about how <laughs> you wouldn't expect the movie about uh, white, white mm. rich, rich college kids and uh, track and field would be so interesting. But it's just an amazing, breathtaking film. And the, uh, ugh, this movie. That guy sucks, though. And, and he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Look, well, look what good it did him. Yeah. Uh, and then, RJ, moving along, I watched Terms of Endearment. Uh, the James Ooh. L. Brooks film from the year I was born, the winner of the Oscars, 1983. Uh, I had never seen this movie. I really didn't know what it was about other than, I guess you could describe it as a chick flick about a mother Ooh. and a daughter's relationship over the course of time. And yeah, I watched this movie and this movie's really good, RJ. It's a, is it's it a, though? It is. It's a very, it's uh so unlike movies getting made nowadays. Um, I guess like the closest you could compare it to in some ways would be like kind of like boyhood, but just like so much better made uh, because it wasn't shot in this like real time way. It was made like a real movie by professionals, not like let's just shoot this in a backdrop with my own (laughs) kids. (laughs) Like, I don't know that that boyhood is uh, no one talks about it anymore except for me to bury it. So, yeah, well, Look how look how good it did though. It really stood the test of time. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh do you know any, do, you, do you know anything about Terms of Endearment other than it's got like a title that makes you go, "No thanks." Is that the one about cancer or is that the one about the vaginas? Uh it's about the cancer, I guess. By the uh, by the end it is. Uh which is why like when you're talking about the annihilation thing and someone's saying it's like a movie about cancer, I'm like, fuck yeah. those people. It's like I just watched this movie, it's like about fucking cancer. <laughs> it's about and it's like, cancer. And it's like, no, cancer is sad and miserable, not like it's about science fiction and about uh-huh. self and identity. No, fuck you. Fuck you. Annihilation is just a, it's a sci-fi piffle. Uh a what? A piffle, RJ. Oh my god. You're, you're learning all sorts of things tonight. So, mm. terms of endearment. Um, yeah, Shirley MacLaine. This is the second Shirley MacLaine movie I watched this year after watching The Apartment the other week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's a, whatever, she plays a 52-year-old lady who, like, all the gents are uh, trying to court, including one, Danny DeVito. Uh, nice. Yeah, he's in there for, he's got, like, it's like a little is he role. sexy? Uh, he's he's definitely closer to like taxi era Danny DeVito, not nice. classic DeVito. Uh, uh, so he looks not little... Mantis Toboggan. Yeah, no, not Mantis Toboggan. Talking about his magnum sized dong, um, yeah. mm-hmm. or penguin ass. It's all before that. Nice. And uh, who else we got there? John Lithgow shows up. What's um, he doing? Uh, he's a banker. He works at the bank. He's he's uh, having an affair with a mm-hmm. uh, lady, daughter. Uh, Jeff Daniels is in this film as well. 
Mm. He's a flap. He is uh, Deborah Winger's husband. What does that mean? That's his, that's a name apparently. It's not uh, a name. <laughs> well, it is in the movie, and uh, so yeah, he's kind of yeah. like this like wannabe professor wanting to teach mm-hmm. at schools and stuff like that. And it's not going great for him because no one gets into academia to make money until you put in your time long enough, and then you start <laughs> making a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, for doing very little. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this movie is just, like, so good. I like this movie a, a lot. Uh, well acted. Oh, yeah. God, I didn't even talk about This old, is Terms of Endearment, Terms right? of Endearment, yeah. Jack Nicholson uh, being mm. this kind of a scuzzbag uh, astronaut. And uh, mm. next-door neighbor to Shirley MacLaine, who ha- can't, her husband died, doesn't find another man for a very long time. and then, But she finds something kind of, like, attractive about this Jack Nicholson guy who keeps banging younger ladies because he's a gross old nice. dude. Um, Just like you. So, yeah, I mean, James L. Brooks, he directed movies, like, as good as it gets and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, brother is Albert Brooks. We get Albert Brooks doing, like, a brief cameo as the voice of Shirley MacLaine's husband at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie is just like hit me right. Uh, it's like just a little over two hours long, which I was like, kind of like, oh, great. I thought this was like an hour and a half, but no, it's a real full on drama. But I don't know. It's a moving movie. It's kind of sad, you know, watching people being eaten alive by cancer and there's nothing much you can do about it. Uh, I, w- I didn't really mm-hmm. know that going in. I kept thinking there was like something bad was going to happen to one of the like the kids that Deborah Winger has. And yeah. I'm like, oh, great. That kid's going to run in front of a bus like a Stephen King movie. And <laughs> that, that fortunately doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a movie about life in a Hollywood sort of way. Uh, people talk probably in a way that they don't talk in real life, but it's writerly. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's It hits that right balance of what you want in a movie rather than like, this is lazy movie making uh, and shorthand yeah. for a human experience. Hmm. But yeah, this movie is uh, pretty great. It's definitely in the uh, upper echelons, I guess, of Best Picture winners, uh, where I'd have to look and see if there was maybe a better movie that came out uh, that was nominated. But yeah, this this movie did not disappoint. So I'm happy that like in this run I've had uh, between this and uh, Man for All Seasons, uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've actually found some good Best Picture winners and not just boring slogs. Hmm. I don't know. This movie sounds pretty boring. <laughs> It's not, though. It's just, it's so well told. Like, you just get drug along with it. And uh, I don't know. It's like, I would say this movie sh- could come with a trigger warning. Uh, if, you've uh. ever, if you've ever had, like, uh, a family member die. Uh, this oh, movie, shit. This, might, this movie might be a tough watch and make you sad. Triggered, hey? Yeah. I'd say it might be. It, it, whatever. It's like, it would, it would be upsetting probably for somebody that's been in this situation because it captures it probably pretty well. Um, Is and- it endearing, though? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. No. In what kind of way? Uh, anyways, you just talked about that. Movie. I'm just fucking with you. I know it's good. Okay, so uh, what else you watch there? That, that, that's uh, Big it, Dog? man. I didn't watch that much. I thought I would watch way more, but uh, I watched uh, High Noon and I watched High Noon Part Two. But we're gonna talk about nice. that when we review it. Any news you want to share? Uh, did you hear someone put a statue of Jason Voorhees in a Minnesota lake? Yes, I saw that. And the divers uh, are. It seems like a, there's a lot of bullshit and poor research in that article by Dread probably. Central. A lot of like, probably. just like saying this and this and this. And then all these people saying, yeah. uh, that lake is like 37 feet deep. It is not 128. And it's like, that is not yeah. a popular. It's, there's some, uh, some fake news afoot there. I see. But I like the see, idea. That's of, why I bring it to you. 
I do like the idea though of people swimming down and going, hey, there's something down here. And then it's like, oh, there's just, oh my God, there's a man. Oh my God, it's a man in a hockey mask. Mm-hmm. And then you just. We like, should do something similar. But like on your roof, just put a, a likeness of Danny DeVito. Yeah. Nude. Made out of chicken nuggets or something. Nude. Nude. Yeah. Ooh. That's your news? That's the story. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Smith had a heart attack. He survived. Oh, yeah. Look what you did. He survived. Anyways, uh, after, uh-huh. uh, after the break, uh, this well, so far we're talking in real time. We've talked as long as this movie takes to watch. So uh, we'll be talking about that noon at high. Uh, maybe you should have been the one who had a heart attack. Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, no, you don't want nada, none of this, six gunning this, brother running this, buffalo soldier, look, it's like I told you, any damsel that's in distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West, rough neck, so go check the lawn and buy, watch your step reflect and get a hole in your side, swallow your pride, don't let your lip react, you don't want to see my hand where my hip be at, with Artemis from the start of this, running the game, James West, taming the West, so remember the name, now who you gonna call, now who you gonna call, if you ever rip with people want to bust, break out before you get bum rushed at the Wild Wild West. When I roll into the Wild Wild West. When I stroll into the Wild Wild West. When I bounce into the Wild Wild West. It's Judges left town, Harvey's quit, and I'm having trouble getting deputies. People got to talk themselves into law and order before they do anything about it. Maybe because down deep, they don't care. They just don't care. I think you better go while there's still time. It's better for you, and it's better for us. Amy. I mean it. If you won't go with me now, I'll be on that train when it leaves here. I've got to stay. Why must you be so stupid, Will? Have you forgotten what he is? Have you forgotten what he's done to people? Have you forgotten that he's crazy? Don't you remember when he sat in that chair and said, You'll never hang me, I'll come back. I'll kill you, Will Kane. I swear it, I'll kill you. A terror-stricken town left him to face four killers, single-handed, at high noon. With every swing of the pendulum, with every second, a man's life ticked away. Never have so few moments held such excitement. Miller! What kind of woman are you? How can you leave him like this? Does the sound of the guns frighten you that much?
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about High Noon from 1952, directed by Fred Zinneman. And this is part of our continuing look at the Criterion Laserdisc collection. Just little sidesteps from our regular creep uh, to look at, I guess... You'd say more populist movies, I guess, uh, back when Cr- mm-hmm. Criterion was first starting up back in the day. Uh, so, High Noon, uh, the tagline for this film, the story of a man who was too proud to run. And the tagline, and the synopsis from Letterboxd, High Noon is about Will Kane, the sheriff of a small town in the New Mexico Territory, who learns a notorious outlaw he put in jail has been freed and will be arriving on the noon train. Knowing the outlaw and his gang are coming to kill him, Kane is determined to stand his ground. He attempts to gather a posse from among the local townspeople. That's the movie in a nutshell. Good night, folks. Good night. <laughs> hey, this movie's got a sung song about this specific movie, which is uh, one of those traits that I don't think has come up in any of the Criterion movies we've watched <laughs> to this point uh, where a movie or the song written for it describes the entire plot and the actions that's going to happen uh, from that point forward mm-hmm. so that's unique uh, well the blob had a theme song but uh, it, it wasn't like dun, the blob's eating people that's close though it's halfway there you're right it's, I, I, I it's for, almost I there. forgot about that blob I, I kind of thought <laughs> it was like when I wrote that I'm like I think there might have been something but what could possibly belong in the Criterion Collection that would be that unclassy and it's like oh like right a the great blob, age chump. the blob and there's no song uh-huh. about a feed without a face unfortunately I just I just let that linger so people people know how bad of a person you are. Uh, so this movie, uh, right off the bat in the credits, it notifies us that this is based on a story called The Tin Star by John W. Cunningham. This uh-huh. isn't exactly true. Uh, apparently, this idea had been come up with by the writer, and there was like this short story that had been published around the same time that was very similar. And just to prevent any sort of lawsuit, they just went and bought the rights for the story Mm. just to cover their ass. Nice. Um, So I watched the nice uh, all of films Blu-ray of this that came out a few years ago. And I think Uh it's since now been replaced by like a like masterpiece edition of it, which I'm sure is like, has the exact same print, but more special features, Mm -hmm. which is whatever. I'm not going to go buy that. I just bought this Blu-ray. But I will say that this Blu-ray does a really nice showcase of the Floyd Crosby cinematography. Cause this movie looks Mm -hmm. very sharp really cool um and yeah so the song uh that i mentioned sung for this movie is uh, done by one tex ritter uh and it's called high noon i love mm-hmm. i love the use of the music over all the actions of this movie uh and i love the fact that there's no sound effects and there's no dialogue over this scene of a guy just waiting on a hill out in the middle of the old west and then mm-hmm. then another guy shows up and then another guy, and they ride off and t- to go do something. And we don't know who they are. We don't know if they're good guys, bad guys. They're just guys getting together. But it, it sets this movie up with a lot of purpose. And mm-hmm. uh, you're like kind of curious at this point, hey, what happens next? So I've seen High Noon a couple times in my life. I actually, it's only been a few years since I last watched it because it was one of those Westerns that I'd seen way back in the day on uh, like – videotape and then uh when i was doing my big like western watching and stuff like that 
I was like, well, I guess I should watch High Noon again. And I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's always a movie that I've liked. Uh, it's not like one of my favorite Westerns by any means. Uh, yep. But I think it's like, it's total classic. Um, total classic. Total and, classic, yeah. guys. And uh, you ever said it? Uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I yeah. Uh, tell this, me what you tell me how you feel. Uh, I I feel good. I feel good about watching this movie again. It's an easy watch, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how very... do you feel about the age difference between Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly? <laughs> so how... did that off put you off by mm. any we'll, we'll, at all? We'll talk about uh, Gary Cooper. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I was. I don't. I think you just watched this movie for the first time not that long ago because you didn't realize at the time that we would be we would be watching it uh, in the Laserdisc collection so soon. I didn't. I thought it was going to be uh, way later, um, but I'm stupid. So I watched this uh, thanks to Letterboxd. I can I pinpoint the exact time I watched it. It was June twentieth, twenty seventeen. Eight months ago. Yeah. That's all. So uh, not even a, a whole year. Um, yeah, I watched this because I was like, I've never seen High Noon. And I like Westerns. Mm-hmm. And I want to watch it. So I did. Um, I liked it then. And eight months later, I like it again now. I think High Noon is this really... Like, um, what you said is a good point. It's not my favorite Western or, or anything like that. But I think it's really cool. Uh, I, I like the layout of this movie where, like you said, uh, they just get started. It's like, here's three guys. And then you just, like, it just lets you kind of w- be the audience and watch what this movie is about. And then I really like the layout of what this movie is. How it's just fucking old-ass Gary Cooper walking around. He's like, is it no- so? <laughs> I'm, like, not, not, I'm not kidding. There? So my, like, note here to introduce Gary Cooper is old-ass Gary Cooper <laughs> getting married. Yeah. See, we're hanging out too much now. Yeah. We're starting, we're taking on each other's uh, yeah. things. But uh, yeah, you get old ass Gary Cooper okay. walking so, around. So Gary Cooper, how old do you think he was in this movie? I've looked it up. Yeah, I know how fucking old he was in this movie so, because I, I saw him, and then I saw Grace Kelly, this lovely young woman, and I was like. In what world are these two fucking people getting married? It's, I guess the old it west. Was old in, it was olden times. Yes, yeah. So uh, it is believable, but I was put off by like the bags under Gary Cooper's oh, eyes, where it's just like he's so tired that it's like I guarantee that fucking dude has been sleeping like all day, and he just woke up to do this scene, and he's like, Ugh. so Gary Cooper at the time of filming. In uh, when did this come out? 1952. Yeah, Gary so, Cooper. So the movie was, might have been. It probably was shot in like 51. Yep. So he was 51 years old. Yep. Because he's he's, he, he's like basically almost a centennial baby born. In and Bar- yeah. Grace Kelly was uh, not even half that at a spry 23. Yeah. <laughs> so more than double the age. That's like some Celine Dion stuff right there. So another, some other fun facts, Gary Cooper would be dead. Like not even 10 years later, he died in 1961. Um, 10 years is a long time. I thought you were going to say like 10 months later. Oh, no, nah, it's like, but so, so, fun no, fact, he, Gary he died, Cooper yeah, died he was, 30 was, years later. He only died when he was 60. Well, like, look how tired he looks. I know. Well, Cause it was like olden times. People like aged way harsher than they do uh, nowadays. Do you think it was all the liquor or hard living man? All those hard living. I'm sure, he saw himself through some wars and stuff. Did uh, he fight in war? He might. He would have been fighting age. 
during World War One, but uh, we'll, we can learn more about Gary Cooper. Maybe uh, dodge that bullet. He was an ex film extra, stunt writer. Uh, no, there's no mention of military service. Maybe it was just hard, hard drinking, hard living. Nice. Yeah, he was nice. a he was a Montanian. I know. Real uh, close. He was from uh, Helena. Yeah. Real close to us, baby. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I think this movie is really cool because. Like I said, because you I like, like the, you like fifty year old men dating twenty three year olds and getting married to them. Yeah, but I like the reversal when it's uh, old ladies, Harold and Maude style. Mm. When it's old dudes, it's just creepy, like Jarrett style. It was the it was the the times. I mean, there's all I know it like still Gre- is Gregory like, Peck and oh fuck, uh, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn in charades. Yeah, it still is now. I mean, old dudes love younger ladies, and younger ladies love fucking old ass men like Gary Cooper. Yeah, maybe not Gary Cooper. But guys like Gary Cooper. But uh, anyways, Jared, I think it's really cool how this mo- like this entire movie is just him walking around, being like, "Won't anybody help me?" And then it's and then it just keeps cutting back to like Lee Van Cleef at the at the train station. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting, They're just waiting the whole time. Uh, I drinking. think it's cool that just drinking. I uh, I think this movie is really neat in that it plays out in real time. You just keep looking up at the clock, and it's like, fuck, we got an hour till noon. Yep. That's when the train comes in. Uh, I think that is really cool. I also like um, I like the discussions that people have in this, like specifically the church one, where it's like those – like they don't like get into it really, but it's kind of like the group versus the individual where they're talking about like – what it means for one person to stand for a group and whether or not groups can stand like with individuals and stuff like that. It's, this is above my pay grade. I'm just saying, I really like the conversations that those people had. I think it's big ideas, man, big ideas, what they mean. I don't know. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just dudes talking. I think it's really funny. One guy is like, uh, he's like, what are we getting so excited about? It's not like something's going to happen. Like he's just like totally like it's like in uh, Annihilation like we were talking about in the preamble. It's like, oh, it's just a trick of the light. What are we getting all excited about? It's not like anything's going to happen. So I think that is all very cool. It's this really slow buildup, but it doesn't feel like it feels natural because you see the clock and it is in real time. Basically, it's like, yeah, we got an hour until noon and then uh, and then you get the big shootout which is neat there's some really nice um uh filmmaking too because it's like so after you get the uh the high noon song sung the first sound that we hear is the ringing of the bell in the town so it's like the first thing we hear is the indication of time so it's this entire movie that's like basing basing itself on the passage of time and uh the the, just like that countdown i guess to the title of the movie which is like when the action is going to happen because uh, everything is just like all set up for that moment yeah. to come, whatever that moment is. And it's like, we'll get to it, I guess, as we get closer to it. But yeah, I mean, essentially, sure. it's like there's like Westerns that get made after this point where like the movies are like nonstop high noon sequences where it's just like, oh, guys, it's getting sh- gunned down and shot. And then they move on to the next scene. And it's all a series of like events built on a series of shootouts. Whereas this movie is sure. built on getting to one dramatic shootout and it's and it's way more interesting even though the movie's only got one and i guess like that was like pretty groundbreaking i guess when high noon came out and like really would have kind of put classic or 
people are like fans of like what westerns should be, which is just like action movie delivery systems. And this movie's like yeah. this like thoughtful kind of like slow burn about one shootout, and that's it. Yep. And people are like, "Well, what is this? Cool. What's this movie about? Arguing about people being good people or not? Everyone should just be good and yeah. just do this, blah blah blah." So this movie's like about more about uh, the lack of character of people uh, when they're faced with uh, actual adversity and well, like, yeah. And it does a really good job too because it's like that stubborn determination of like of Gary Cooper. Like he's a real fucking cowboy, man. Like, you know, he's a real cowboy. And he's doing that hero sacrifice. He's like he's like, I'll do it if even if I have to do it alone. He's like, I'll be the man to stand up for the town. And then But he's not super gung ho about it either. Like he is he, he just is, feels like he has Yeah, like well, well yeah, he, he doesn't really want to. He's just like, I guess I have to do it. Yeah. Well well, yeah, there's the I love the setup of it. So uh I lo- kind of going back to my notes a yeah. little bit. Um I really love how like the three like outlaws, I guess, or like the, the dudes, they're introduced yeah. by like the camera passing to each of their faces as like the one guy at the train station's like so and so thumbless yeah. to Tom, thumbless Timmy. Cactus Bill. Yeah, exactly. And, it's just, and it just passes to one, one to one. It's like, what a great way of like naturally introducing characters in this like economical like way that makes sense um, yeah. in the way that the scenes laid out. You're like, oh, like all this is laid out in this clever way. There's no wasted time. Um, and it, it's like, it feels natural and kind of like a still stylized Hollywood Western kind of way, but it's done yeah. smart, I guess. And it doesn't bring attention to itself unless you're like watching this movie specifically to like write notes about because you have to do it for a podcast. And then you kind of go, oh, look at that. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. What a nice little attention to detail. No podcast would take anything that seriously. No. Uh, so, yeah, the movie, of course, uh, it takes place on his wedding day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, old Will Kane getting married and, uh, oh, he just got married. Everything's going to be great. All the, all the, the, the town council, they were telling him, mm-hmm. oh, we're such all good, close, personal friends. We'd always have your back. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen in the next mm-hmm. two hours before you, while you go on your honeymoon, <laughs> you can just hang your gun and badge up. We, we've got this covered until things actually do happen and then they're like uh oh that guy you sent away he just got a pardon and now he's coming back oh boy and mm-hmm. um so yeah the one thing that i guess i didn't mention uh in our uh, preamble but what we'd watched lately but uh i actually watched another uh fred zinnemann movie that one <gasps> best picture uh 1966 a man for all seasons um mm. sounds w- wicked boring uh it's actually pretty awesome if you're into medieval mm-hmm. biopics. Is it? <laughs> uh, I, I love this stuff, like Lion in Winter, uh, Beckett, and A Man for All Seasons. Uh, are you familiar with Thomas More? Uh, who, who got into Not a, at all. Are you familiar with Henry VIII and Anna Boleyn? All that, all that jazz? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, vaguely? Okay. Uh, so that's a movie that like frames the whole story around uh, Thomas More being a principled man in a world of cowards, which I think resonates quite a bit here with uh, High Noon, where you have a man who's like kind of got this attitude, and people around him are like kind of like useless when it comes right down to it, and um, it's all about kind of doing the right thing, I guess, in the face of adversity. So it was a convenient thing that I happened to be watching this one Best Picture winner against High Noon, which did not win a Best Picture of any sort because it was only a Western. Um, so, no Western. Okay. What? 
Westerns have won, right? Well, not until uh, I think Un- Unforgiven was definitely. That was the first one that won. Uh, I might like be wrong. Forty I, years I, I, of Westerns. I would have to double check. I guess there was like in the early days there was like Cavalcade, which has Western what, moments in it. What about Paint Your Wagon? No, that movie did not win Best Picture. That that <sighs> movie is not so great. <laughs> not okay. So, uh, I think like maybe there's like Cavalcade. I guess you could call a Western, but. Boy, oh boy. I'll double check, though. Um, sure. Got any thoughts here, RJ, you want to share while I'm looking this up very quickly? While you're looking this up? Yep. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's kind of like what you were saying. It's not. Okay, RJ. So okay. it wasn't, yeah, it was uh, Chimeron. Chimeron, I guess, would be a Western. But, like, it's like a big, like, a piece about, like, just the, the history of America. So it's got Western Ooh. elements. So that was 1931. Do you know what the next Western is that won Best Picture? Dances with Wolves? Correct. In 1990. So so 60 years later, uh, Dances with Wolves wins, and that's followed by Unforgiven two years later. And Mm. and that's it. There's been three Westerns out of 89, and it's going to be three out of 90 here uh, on Sunday. What, you don't think... uh... The Western is going to win this year. No, the, the that well, that some movie. people would call three billboard three billboards a uh, modern Western, and those people would be an asshole. Hey, uh, what do you think the best Western ever is? Oh my god, you're making me look at lists. Hey, can we talk about this movie for a little bit? Okay. Yeah, well, hey, why don't we talk about uh, High Noon, the movie that we were watching for the Criterion Laserdisc collection? Mm, okay, so RJ, I got a question here that i wrote down to myself because it's a scene that made me laugh watching this movie um that is how many times in actual law enforcement history has an arrested convicted criminal come back to get revenge on the specific officer of the law who brought them to justice Mm, i'm just this is shot in the dark but i'm gonna say like three yeah probably as many as westerns have won best picture uh it's like it's one of those tropes that exists in movies that uh it always makes me laugh because i'm like it works right i mean it's like this idea of like oh son of a bitch it's a revenge story but from the flip side and uh now you've like a good guy in the and it's like it situates everything perfectly you have the good guy and you have a bad guy and the bad guy is going to continue doing bad things but i mean it really takes off in the uh 80s during like the super cop era when every movie coming out was like cops on the edge and then there's like this more the sicko uh criminals who like get out and they decide i'm gonna go back and rape his wife <laughs> and uh <laughs> that's like there's so many of those movies that exist and this movie's like not quite there but it's the same trope and i'm always like i was thinking about mm-hmm. it watching this i'm like oh it's it's happening again it's like fine it's just a trope um <laughs> but i don't know i think about that sometimes well <sighs> Where so where does that happen? Westerns, uh, crime movies. Yeah, lots of crime movies. Lots of crime movies. Yeah. Uh, biblical uh, adventures, uh, like Moses. Like he got kicked out, and then he came back for revenge. Are, so you, that saying, was are you saying that Moses, the 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 head of like Judaism, is is a criminal and a and a, and a bad guy? So you remember how old Gary Cooper was in High Noon? Very old. Fuck, he was old, hey. <laughs> uh, so it, we're we're kind of like at a loss of things to say. Oh, I have lots but, of notes, but you oh, okay. you, keep, you keep throwing these things out, saying, "Hey, Jerry, what are your favorite westerns?" <laughs> okay, well, don't worry about that now. Tell me about High Noon. 
Okay. So, okay. This movie reminds me of a lot of people, sadly, weirdly, uh, loser scumbags that everybody likes because they are a good time, despite those good mm-hmm. times actually being bad times. So one of the things that's interesting about this movie is like there's, a, I think, the hotel manager, and mm-hmm. he's like talking about things were good when Frank Miller was living here in town. We made a lot more money. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I remember the days that Frank Miller lived here at the gang. It was way more exciting, all this money, all this good times. But it's like, no, Frank Miller was bad. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, he made Sin City and uh, whatever, but come on. What about all the bad things Frank Miller's done when he was living like, in this uh, town? Like Holy Terror? Uh, and, and The Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like three people are going to laugh at that, <laughs> and the rest of the people are going to just hate you. Right. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, yeah, there, like, I love, I like that depiction because it's pretty real. People are like, mm-hmm. yeah, but what about the good old days when like the gang terrorized the town and did horrible things and we actually had to have him arrested and sent away. But now he's coming back and now we're like, well, that might be a good thing because at the same time, it's like, well, we're getting used to the idea of like there's nothing we can do about him. And uh, uh-huh. we'll just get used to the fact that he's going to kill the sheriff and uh, it'll be like what it used to be. And I guess we'll just have to accept it and toil away in the sugar mines. Yeah, but isn't that like that common thing like in mob movies, western movies where it's like like they don't no one snitches because like they look after you even though they like take 80% of your earnings? Uh, I guess I I follow that under a different kind of thing, I suppose. Um anyway. Holy terror. Holy terror. Uh yeah. anyway, that's just like one of those things that I think that's that was a well-observed little bit of the script. Um, nice. I feel like there's like the church scene when, um, when, mm-hmm. when, when Gary goes to plead his case at the church to get like to rally up some people to help him, uh, face these people. And I wrote the note yeah. that this is like 19th century Twitter where like all these like assholes just like come up with all Chime sorts of in. ideas and they're just like off topic and have mm-hmm. nothing to do with the subject at hand. And just like, why, why do I pay my tax dollars? And now I got to put my life on the line. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, I don't know. It's a cross section of society. Uh, and of course it's all men talking. Uh, cause that's, that's how it goes. Proper ladies don't uh, converse in manly, uh, matters. Not in a church. No. Come on. Uh, and then we get uh, the great scene of Lon Chaney at uh, the barber where he says things like, they just don't care. And it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. Just like your uh, your niece the other day. Oh, well, no, no what you got to understand is nobody cares. Yeah. It's, it's See, isn't that like deep, profound wisdom? It's mm-hmm. like what you got to understand is nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, spoken only like a five-year-old can. Uh, and then like, uh, the next great moment in this movie for me is, uh, when Herb, the one guy who shows up, one of the deputies is like, come on, we're going to get him. And he's like, where's everybody else? He's like, well, there is no one else. It's just you and me. Herb's like, what? No, no. Oh, oh I mean, you know, I, I would have been here for you all along, but, uh, you, I mean, I got, I got a wife and kids. I got to think about them. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I got to go. <laughs> You, I gotta, you, I gotta go. You, you know how it is. I mean, uh, gee, I mean, huh. it's like, yep, uh-huh. hiding, hiding behind the numbers game. That's uh, a yeah. yeah. And you know what? He doesn't blame him. He's just like, yeah. I know, I know, Herb. I know. I get go, it. Go home, Herb. 
I've got. I'm gonna go go die by myself because everyone sucks. Even my wife is leaving me because she's a Quaker and doesn't believe in this horse shit. And I can just leave, but uh, I can't do that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean yeah, like I made the mention before, this movie is just building toward one exchange, uh, which is like usually yeah. like man, when you watch a spaghetti western, these movies open up with gun battles and they're just punctuated with gun battles that like mm-hmm. each one increasingly means less because like you've seen so many and all yours like when's our lead character going to get killed is this going to be a dark cynical movie where he does die at the end or is it just going to be like he blows through all the mexicans kind of thing mm-hmm. uh typical western sort of stuff yep uh one of the things that i was like ooh, rj will appreciate this is look at gary cooper saving horses he does save those horses, and I thought that was terrific because usually in westerns, westerns are particularly bad for this. Usually, you have horses running over trip lines, oh, and man. it is very sad because you know what? I bet that horse broke its leg, and they probably had to kill it. Yeah, there's there's always that chance. Yeah, because horses break their legs like all the fucking time, and you know what? It's too too god dang expensive to uh heal up a horse leg yeah so. it is but yeah so i did like it i did like that he saved those horses even though uh what's his name lloyd bridges was being a being a real bat yeah trying to punch him and stuff what mm-hmm. a jerk uh and then uh grace kelly quaker lady she shoots that unarmed man in the back <laughs> uh yeah so we get the big shootout and uh, it's really well handled. The whole town clears out, so it's a bunch of empty streets. And Scary Cooper going w- one on four. Um, and yeah, I just love the bit where uh, you know Grace Kelly comes back for her man, abandoning all her stuff, and uh, she goes and shoots a guy in the back. <laughs> After he runs out of bullets, and he's just standing there, and he catches it right in the ass, and he just kills over dead. Because it was the fifties. Well, have you um, never been shot in the ass? You die. Yeah, right. Just dead. Sucks. Flat out dead. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then the movie just kind of ends with a big old fuck all y'all <laughs> as uh, everyone comes out after the uh, dust's cleared and uh, Gary's last man standing, and he just is like, "Well, mm-hmm. thanks for nothing," and he uh-huh. clears the fuck out, and it's the end. And I throws his badge in the fucking dirt and he's oh, yeah. like, see you later, losers. Yeah. Yeah. I did my job. Uh, see you later. So. And the theme song strikes up. That's right. And then you're just like, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he make the right call? That's exactly right. Yeah. It really makes you think, Jared. It really makes you think. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I made the decision to watch the sequel to High Noon. Ah. Uh, the television movie that came out Tell me about that. in 1980 uh, called High Noon Part 2, The Return of Will Kane. Uh, yeah, so this is directed by some guy, mm-hmm. and uh, it stars Lee Majors playing Gary Cooper. So the movie <sighs> takes place, like I guess, a few years after the action of High Noon, and mm-hmm. uh, so he's now de-aged, and he's a different man. And uh, it's just Lee Majors, who has, like, no real screen presence that I could detect. He's just a guy in this movie. Uh, but uh-huh. So him and his new wife, uh, the not Grace Kelly, they show up. They're there to start a new life again. 
and uh, start raising cattle and horses and stuff. They've mm-hmm. got they've got a purchase order all lined up. And while they're there waiting to do the pickup and stuff, David Carradine shows up with his gang. And uh, he wants to just buy these horses off of him. But they're like, well, no, we're, we, we need that stud. We need this stuff. Um, I recognize you. I think I've sent you to jail. <laughs> Good times. And they do it again? Uh, well, before you think that it's going to go down that route, uh, it turns out that they're wanted men, these, this David Carradine and his boys, and uh, the, the new sheriff of the town, he's a real sadist, a real mean bounty hunter type guy who just kills people. And there's a, right. big, there's a big shootout. A bunch of horses get shot up and killed. But like in TV movie way where it's just like not really happening and they put some like mm-hmm. some corn syrup on horses, uh, at least from what I could detect. But sometimes if you watch this, you might imagine some things that aren't really there. Uh, I don't ever exaggerate or jump to conclusions. I am a man of facts. And principle. And principle. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I, I just want to say two things. Uh, Lee Majors uh, at the time of filming was 41 years old. Yeah. 10 years younger than... Uh, Gary Cooper. And when you said Lee Majors and you're like, oh, he's just there. I was like, what are you talking about? I thought you meant Lee Marvin. Oh, my God. And I I was going to be like, what are you talking about, bro? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Lee Majors is fucking boring. Yeah. He's a he's a TV guy and he has a bunch of nothing movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what can you really say about this movie? So there, there turns into like a big thing where like Lee Major's like, I want my money back for this these horses that got shut up by this asshole sheriff. But the sheriff's like, huh, I don't care. You can go to the courts and you'll get paid in two years. <laughs> I've got a man to kill. And uh, what winds up happening is Lee Majors goes out into this desert to go uh, get to this David Carradine before he gets killed. Just on principle. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wind up teaming up because this sheriff's a piece of shit. And, uh, so there's like a, so this, that's like the first half hour. Not bad. It's written. So this, the, the teleplay for this is written by El, Elmore Leonard, who's a crime yeah. writer, written some really good Westerns. I like his stuff. That's also one of the reasons why I wanted to check this out because of his credit, but this did mm-hmm. not outside of that first like half hour, which kind of has the broad strokes of his stuff. This just is like dreary and boring. Uh, there's, it's just like a half hour of these guys look like shooting at each other over and over again mm-hmm. in the desert, in the same patch of desert in these Hills. And that's it. And it's boring as fuck. <laughs> um, and then they go back mm-hmm. to town and things wrap up and it's just like, yep, this is just nothing special at all. Totally. Are there any skippable. scenes of guys eating ribs? No, no, RJ, there isn't. Now that you've I feel mentioned like good it, westerns should have people eating and, and ribs. Now, and now that you've mentioned it, now I like this movie even less. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that like a bad quality for a movie to have? Absolutely. Well, this fucking western, no one's eating ribs? What yep. is this shit? Total shit. Uh, there was also a uh, 2000 remake of High Noon starring Tom Skerritt. Uh, oh, no. Uh, I did not. Buddy. I did not watch uh, that because why not? He is another. It was another TV movie, and uh, his like uh, biggest claim to fame is he directed the Nick Fury Agent of Shield TV movie starring David Hasselhoff. Um, back when superhero movies were great, RJ. Tom Skerritt was starring as David Hasselhoff. Uh, he starred as Gary Cooper. <laughs> 
because I, I what oh Will Kane so yeah mm. yeah no no I did not watch it. So what you're saying? The legacy of High Noon. Oh, yeah, uh, the legacy of High Noon. Yeah, it's it's been nothing. Just watch the original movie, which is always the best advice I can give. Um, I saw something since we talk about it quite a bit. Uh, I actually saw it since it's Oscar season. Yeah, that uh, some uh, people at the website IGN made a list of uh, best pictures that didn't win. And High Noon was on here for 1952. Mm. Uh, the movie that won that year was called The Greatest Show on Earth. Yes. Which you watched recently. Yes. You know so, what movie, uh, well, guess, yeah. I'll let you guess which movie is better, RJ. Uh, greatest Show on Earth, because I know you really like that one. I, li- I like the acrobat stuff, but that movie is pretty, pretty pants. Uh, yeah. It's pretty middle of the road. No, this movie is a lot better. It won actor. So Gary Cooper won. Gary Cooper won Best Actor for this? Yeah. Uh, Editing, music score, shit, yeah, and music song, yeah. Nice. But, and yeah, for anyone, Golden Globe for actor, because people really had a hard on for Gary Cooper. Uh, Supporting actress, uh, oh, for what's her name? Uh, It's like running through this movie. Yeah, we haven't even talked about like Lloyd Bridges. Well, I, I think Lloyd Bridges is really good in this movie, but that Esmeralda thing, I don't like. Like, I get it. I think it, like, I see why it's there, but at the same time, whenever that storyline is going on, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Or her name's not even Esmeralda, whatever her fucking name is. Right. But uh, Lloyd Bridges is super cool. He doesn't look like a normal person, hey? He, he looks like a bridge. He does like his his face facial structure is unlike anything. What's your favorite Lloyd Bridges uh, spoof movies? Airplanes or Hot Shots? I have to choose between those two. I yeah. would have to watch them again to make a fair assessment. It's hot. The answer is Hot Shots Part Duh. Yeah. See, I think. So, see, I don't even know if I've actually seen Hot Shots. I've definitely seen Hot Shots Part Do, and I've seen Airplane. You've never seen Hot Shots? I don't think so. This is the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have. Mm. He's got quite a mixed bag of movies, doesn't he? Who, Lloyd Bridges? Yeah. Dude was in a lot of movies, man. Yeah, 135. I've seen uh, eight. <laughs> Two more than you've had. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we doing now? <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't talk about Lloyd Bridges, but he's good in this. Um, yeah, he is good. So... Yeah, I don't know. Gary Cooper's fine in this. Like, I think like, he's like way better in the the Man from the West or Man of the yeah. West. He's like really great in that. In this, he's just kind of like there. It's not like I, it's kind of. I'm not surprised he got probably awards because he's the big name actor and people really probably flocked around that. But I don't know. He's fine. Uh, he's really old. <laughs> uh, probably too old. He sure is, too, Jared. Probably too old for this particular performance and the physicality of beating down Lloyd Bridges and then taking down four guys. I don't uh-huh. know. Yeah, he... Uh, well, I do like that when he fights Lloyd Bridges, Lloyd Bridges hits him once and he's basically like passed out for a minute because I think Gary Cooper actually just fell asleep for a second and then he like kind of wakes up again. He's like, oh, shit. I was watching the, the one little like making of documentary thing uh, that was on the Blu-ray and like hosted by a young, sexy Leonard Malton. And uh, he mentions sexy Leonard Moulton. Yeah, you heard me. And uh, he mentions that I guess Gary Cooper's back was all fucked up at the time, 
and so they yeah. had to kind of edit around that. He he didn't he didn't want to shoot that sequence at that day at that time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably why he didn't do a whole lot. Seems like a great guy. Yeah. Well, he was old. And he loved acting. He loved westerns, as he informs us on the thing. Um, hey, RJ. Mm-hmm. Some, ah. some people hate High Noon. Uh, yeah, but I don't feel like... I, I, I can imagine people are going to be like, oh, this is a boring western. Okay. It's boring. Well, let's see. What does uh, Becca have to say here? One star. It's movies like these that make you really wish that Letterboxd had an option to just show a review to your followers versus it is showing up under the movie's main page of reviews because I don't like Westerns. I can't Shut be- Shut up, obje- Becky. Well, uh, she, she, and, and this Becca doesn't even know that they'll be read on uh, a podcast. podcast. Uh, I can't be objective about them. I can give them a chance, but almost every time I do, they bore me to tears. The only real exception to this rule has been Django Unchained. It literally takes over 60 minutes for the main event of the movie to happen, and even that was anticlimactic. The entire lead-up to it, I didn't personally feel any tension. I didn't feel sorry for the main character. I was just sort of apathetic about the whole situation and waiting for class to end so I could finish the assignments I have due tomorrow. What? What grade is this lady in? Or male? It's just B E C A. B E C A. Um, Maybe double C. Might the font's very small. Whatever. What? What grade is this human person in? Yeah. You fuck. Yeah. I don't That's know. So I. We talk about this all the time. It's like, well, this kind of movie just isn't for me. It's like one star. Don't watch, yeah, like don't watch it then. Well, I mean, I, I was saying the same thing about uh, old uh, Chariots of Fire, but to me, I'd just be like, that's two stars. I didn't like that movie, but but, but after, beyond that, though, it's like this movie like infuriates me in a way that like really gets to me. And uh, one mm-hmm. star is just seems to be like I'm a child and I don't like things, but or or you have like a real like you better have a real fucking reason because uh, yeah, or you or you fucking hate something, and that's possible too. I've I've thrown out those one stars to some classic movies, but like I I want I want some explanation. Or if you explain it, you better have something clear, not just I saw this in class. (laughs) I saw this in a class I had one Uh, time. Oh yeah, what kind of class? You know, Shaw Wajing gave this one star. Whoa, okay there. I knew how highly praised this film was and had seen it on some of the best of lists, so I got pretty excited because the opening credit sequence was really nice. That excitement dissipated once I saw Gary Cooper act. Holy moly. Holy moly? Okay. This could be English as a second language here. Holy moly, is it bad. I also realized once I came to log this that I had have never seen a film with Gary Cooper, so I don't know how he usually acts in other films, but I can't see how his acting is anything other than just bad in this film. But it isn't just him. The way a lot of the characters act is stiff and unnatural. The plot has been done a thousand times, and the actors' performances reflect that. They seem just as slightly invested in it as I was. The same way some modern films are half a step above a Hallmark or Lifetime movie, this one felt like an extended episode of one of those endless Western TV shows from the 50s. What? But it does something different by showing a guy being killed by a shock woman when he, shock, runs out of bullets and shock has to reload. Oh, the daring originality of it. Not a classic in my eyes. What? So, yes, this movie 
this Western from the 50s feels like one of oh, those West? Westerns from the 50s. Yeah, uh, huh. it sure does. Hey, you know what? This is such a tired out uh, plot, especially for Westerns. It's not like this wasn't like a new thing, I yeah. think. Yeah, all those movies about like mm. guys coming to town. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that that idea was done after high noon uh yep. it, it could have been done beforehand but this is the one that perfected that formula most likely um, hey, you know what uh i don't think people in the academy thought that gary cooper was a bad actor yeah it's interesting um well know. it sounds like the person just doesn't like westerns and that's it that's yeah, that's that's sad they should sad sad they should move to the midwest like us where it's fun and it's real life you want to be a I would describe Jared's life somewhere between Hell and High Water and Sicario. His <laughs> and, two favorite and, movies. And Wind, and Wind River. And Wind River, yeah. yeah. He is the Jeremy Renner character throughout all of those. What's what's his ass who wrote those movies? Uh, Tay Sheridan, Ugh. I believe. Uh, Kilmer Brennitz gave this one and a half stars. So did she just leave all her belongings on the train when she ran off? If so, then who does all that shit on the wagon belong to at the end? Not to be an asshole, but if I can notice that high, tired, sick as hell the first time I watched this movie and my intro to Story Prof, who's probably seen it 100 times, is holding it up as a paragon of storytelling in film, then I should be teaching that class. Makes me realize what a good teacher Miss A was. Have you ever seen that subreddit? I am very smart. <laughs> where it's like it's like people who are it's like I it's like I said something to the teacher and the whole uh, class applauded and the teacher walked out and I taught the class. By the way, Jared, I have an answer to this fucking person's uh, snooty and might I say incorrect uh observation so yeah grace kelly does leave she doesn't take her baggages with her Mm -hmm. however if you pay attention and you actually watch this fucking movie at the end of the movie the wagon appears that they ride out on and it's full of her luggage which makes me believe that the luggage was taken off the train loaded up onto the wagon brought back to town so gary cooper could ride that son of a bitch clear out into the west but to the sundown. RJ, it's bad storytelling. It's bad. It's just bad. It's not. There, it's, <laughs> there was clearly an answer for it. Riding no, no, into the sunset. It, it completely ruins the movie. Uh, for this person who <laughs> thinks they're fucking smarter than their professor. It's like, yeah, I've seen some professors that weren't very smart, but it's like, so, oh, I'm going to teach you this class. Yeah, I really. Uh, Show you yeah. how it's really done. Because I noticed this thing. Ugh. Uh, uh. And I quote. Uh. Uh. Cool. Uh yeah. So I uh, high noon. It's uh it's a good one. It's, pretty, it's up there. It's up there. Uh do do you have any favorite westerns, RJ, since you were asking me that question? Mm, I'm gonna say Maverick. Yeah. And that's actually that's an honest answer. I do think Maverick is awesome. That's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite movies just in general. Let's so see here. I do have a list of my top 20 Westerns that is not at 20 because that's why it's still private. Hit us with five. Okay. I can run through these. Uh, I've lent you a few of these. Uh, these uh-huh. are one. These are ones I, hi- I hold in high regard. Uh, a Bullet for the General, 
spaghetti western. Uh, I think it's actually in some ways better than the Sergio Leone ones. Uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, the Sam Peckinpah uh-huh. movie. It's kind of like a it's a modern western, so yep. I don't know if it quite counts, but it's definitely out in the desert a lot and weird, grimy, diseased mm-hmm. mines. Uh, I'm a big fan, uh, having watched it once, of Heaven's Gate, the much maligned uh, Michael Cimino movie. Mm. Uh, I think that movie is like amazing in scale and stuff like that. Watching the director's cut of the Criterion that they came out with, I think that movie is wicked. Um, yep. But maybe watching it now, I might be more woke to the like really notorious <laughs> treatment of horses that that movie's got. Um, um, yeah, it's got some. It's got some real. Well, it's got like trip lines way after the fact when you should have been doing them, um, yeah. and like cannons going off and whatnot. Uh, and then there's High Plains Drifter. Speaking of when you were talking yeah, about the, the Indian like fighter problematic westerns uh this movie is like uh, a, a, a horror western so strange but i th- mm-hmm. i think it's so cool uh pat yep. carrot and billy the kid another um sam peckinpah this movie i watched the, for the first time a few years ago i think it's just amazing i uh, uh my friend Corey and i were planning on going through all of sam peckinpah's movies uh this year and so i'll yep. be re-watching a few of these like ride the high country another uh i think all-time classic uh mm-hmm. one secret movie not secret but like pretty like un- unknown movie uh that i liked a lot when i was going through a western phase was silver load from 1954 it's actually mm-hmm. very kind of reminiscent of high noon very low-key movie just about like uh a man and the cowardice of a town around him that like they all love him until his like identity is put into question and then suddenly everybody starts turning on him even though he's done all these things right and it's all about him mm-hmm. proving that he's not what this guy's saying he is uh that movie's great and is unfortunately not really available in a great copy or anything like that but it's really good uh mm-hmm. stagecoach the classic western with john wayne uh that movie is amazing so well made Mm-hmm. Uh, for modern movies, Assassination of Jesse James uh, by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, that movie is amazing. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Uh, the Big Country uh, from the director Ben uh, Ben Hur, uh, William Wyler. Uh, that movie was really impressive when I watched it. Uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I think is my favorite of the Leo movies. Mm-hmm. Oxbow Incident, another movie about like the shittiness of human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Searchers. I think you have to include because. It's that movie. Uh, there's the yep. Burt Lancaster, like, kind of uh, Vietnam Western Alzana's Raid, which is, like, dark, fucked up, <laughs> like, movie of just uh, don't fuck with the Indians. Don't go into land that's not yours because they will mess you up. And a good companion piece to that movie mm-hmm. is Chado's Land, star- tra- starring uh, Charles Bronson. And uh, Unforgiven, uh, which I think is probably the best best picture winner ever i might go out the on the best lane. ever are you saying that is the best movie ever yes made? i i think it's well i think it's the best wow of, of, of movies that have won best picture i think it's the best i think wow what it's, about the sixth sense that didn't win best picture didn't it though uh rj just sent me a link to the sam peckinpah film junior bonner Starring Steve McQueen. Uh, that's not how you say that word. Yeah, not Bonner. Well, I'll find oh. out because I'll be watching that movie soon. Yeah. It's about well, a, I just I, I figured that, 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 Junior that, Boner would be uh, big on your list of uh, must-watch. I, I haven't watched it yet. I, I heard it might not be as great as you'd hope because it's 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 a contemporary western. It's about a cowboy uh, uh, rodeo rider type of figure. Does it have any boners in it? Uh, well, maybe the main character, if that's how his last name is pronounced. But yeah, so Unforgiven nice. is like 
uh, and also shot in our very own backyard. Oh. And uh, Winchester 73, I think, is the best Anthony Mann Western of the ones I watched. And you know what? On my list, I'm missing some Bud Budiker. So that's a, an oversight for sure. Fuck, that's not even a list at all then. I know. What the hell? You better take that son of a bitch down. Yeah, don't, don't take me seriously, folks. Um, I don't know who that Bond Bucker. B- B- Bud Bedeker? Yeah, he's a, yeah. he's he's good. Uh, it's probably the one that he did with Lee Marvin that's my favorite of his. Seven Men Down or something like that. Uh, anyways... Westerns are awesome. You can talk to me about them yes, anytime, folks. It's one of my faves. I have a whole list of Western project movies. Email uh, us and tell us why Maverick is the best Western. Exactly. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Any other thoughts? Um, Cowboys. Pew, pew. Pew. After the break, uh, RJ's going to run out of bullets, and I'm going to shoot him in the butt. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'ma head out west Where real women come equipped with scripts and fake press Find a nest in the hills, chill like Flint Buy an old drop top, find a spot to pit Then I'm a kid rocking up and down your block With a bottle of scotch and watch lots of crotch Buy a yacht with a flag saying chill in the most Then rock that bitch up and down the the next western you're going to watch she i wasn't ready for that curveballs baby um you tell me what western you're watching next uh, junior boner <laughs> uh well it will be ride the high country because i'm going to be re-watching sam peckinpah movies and we actually watched uh his mm. first movie deadly companion which was a western uh that was not too bad it was definitely uh a preview of things to come his obsessions with masculinity yeah. and women getting to deal with that masculinity uh i like masculine dudes uh i'll either watch el topo or that christian bale movie hostiles about indians oh shit yeah i had a friend my buddy hammeet saw that he said it was okay nice that's that that seems to be the state of the contemporary western is it's okay yeah it's all right slow west Uh, There's that one Salvation that's got a uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter in it, Mads Mikkelsen. That, oh yeah, yeah. That looked kind of neat, but then I heard mm, something about neat. CGI fire, and I went, "Ooh, not, not my territory." Uh, you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail and tell us about your Western life, uh, uh-huh. or when you're going to come out here to the the Kananaskis lands and look at the prairies wind out in front of you endlessly mm-hmm. and uh, take in the sights and smells. You've got a Facebook page, uh, RJ, as do I. I do? Yeah, that Criterion Creeps Facebook page. Whoa, that and, doesn't get a lot of posts, though. No, we don't post as much as we should. It's just sort of there. But other people could. Yeah, they could. 
Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We got that Patreon page as well. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all that jazz. We're overdue, I think, for a new review. So any of those new listeners we're getting, maybe yeah. if you haven't done it already, throw us a bone. It helps with us getting the podcast out there. Uh, find you know finding good ears uh, for the show to be listened to on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next week, spine number one oh two, the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, directed by Louis Benwell from nineteen seventy two. RJ, uh, I don't think you're a big fan of that title, but uh, you've it never, sounds so fucking boring. You you have not watched a, you've never seen a Louis Benwell film, so this is going to be a whole new territory mm-hmm. for you. Uh, it's been a very long time since I watched, uh, this, uh, but when I first watched it, I thought it was like one of the best movies I'd ever seen. So, uh, I'm kind of excited to give this a whirl again. It's been a long time. Yeah. Oh, I love that Bluey Benwell. How do you feel about surrealism, RJ? Mm, What kind? Uh, hopefully the good kind. (laughs) Mm. Anyways, uh, well, the cliffhanger, folks. <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, good night. Mm.